warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 397. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Good at toxic, good at Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's his day's already been said. Leftovers. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, four, three, three two, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and where are the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, Jake, that was that was an A plus. Yeah, that felt good. That did. Coming out, I was like, oof, that felt good. Oh man, it did. It felt really good. That was like uh that was like uh what do they call it? What do they call it? A happy ending when you get a massage? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was the equivalent of me getting jerked off during a massage, Jake. Yeah, my metaphor was leaning towards um, like synchronized ice skating, but I'll go with the jerk off metaphor. What 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 uh, what, what what move spectacular move did we land doing our synchronized ice skating? Uh, the double triple pivot. I don't I don't know any ice skating moves. I don't either, man. I was hoping you might. <laughs> <laughs> I should have pretended that was right. I think that could have passed. I just know the one where you get a happy ending on the ice. That's the only one I know. I know the triple deke from Mighty Ducks, but that's hockey shots. Oh, God. Mighty Ducks. I, I still, to this day, have never seen Mighty Ducks. I think that's I'll, wild. That's like your Top Gun. No, it's not. That is not even, not even on the same level as Top Gun, Jake. No. Oh, I gotta imagine Mighty Ducks is better than Top Gun. <laughs> you can age out of Mighty Ducks really fast. I don't okay, know. If- I'm, I'm interjecting here because yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not supposed to talk yet, but that's just the wrong statement right there. Isn't it? Thank you. That is completely wrong. Don't, I, can, I, you can age out of Mighty Ducks, right? I don't think you ever age out of Top Gun. No, never. Never. I remember watching Top Gun as a child and I've never aged out of Top Gun. You, I've been you, watching that multiple times per year. Since it came out, 
was 87 or whenever it came out. It was 80, three, four, it was five 80, times a year. 86, 86. 86. That's when five we five times five. a year for top guns. Oh, so I, watched, I, I call bullshit on this. No, it's one of, it's my go, <laughs> it's my go-to movie. It is my go-to movie. That and Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6? Yes. <laughs> I'm weird. I'm weird. He watches that Big Hero 6 times a year. <laughs> Uh, porno version of Big Hero 6, Big Hero Sex. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> Easily. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, yeah, our guest, Kevin Shanks from uh, Dose Makes the Poison, the Toxcast, and Nobody Asked You, Kevin. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry to interject there, but that was just an egregious statement. It was. It was. That was that's bad. Brian. Brian, that's your top gun. Fuck it. Mighty Docs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Right, I don't know. By the what way, what is your Top Gun? Then what is what is the most famous movie you've never seen? I, I you know, there it's out there. It's out there for a while. There it was Galaxy Quest, and then I finally watched that a few years ago, and I absolutely loved the movie. Here's the thing, Mighty Ducks. It was just like I think I was a little, I don't know. Like I had already seen Bad News Bears, and I loved that as a child. And then Mighty Ducks came out, and I just did not care. I think I was maybe fourteen or fifteen. I just didn't care. I was just. I I wanted to watch boobies on Cinemax or something, Jake. I didn't <laughs> yeah, care. I get it. I get it. With these, in your defense, I I don't think I've ever seen Mighty Ducks three. <laughs> Whoo! Now I don't feel so bad. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, how many mighty fucks do I give that I've never seen that movie? <laughs> Let's say. I don't just let me Zero throw. <laughs> let me throw out a rough estimate. Zero. Woo. I don't know why I threw it in the Rodney Dangerfield there. Um, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield in another kids sports movie, Ladybugs, with the uh, with Jonathan Brandis. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, I, oh, I love that movie too. I love that movie so much when I was a kid. Anyway, yeah, welcome, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me. It was an egregious statement, wasn't it? It, it was. It was. It was uh, pretty bad. It, I mean, that <laughs> was. I, I hear a lot of crazy, stupid <laughs> shit every day, and that was one of them. Yeah, was right, Jake. You're not off. Terrible. You're not off. Terrible. I'm sorry. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Start the bar low. <laughs> Guys, stick around uh, after the uh, episode. When the episode wraps, once we get into the end music, after that, we're going to actually have a uh, discussion about the leaked Venom Let There Be Carnage post credit scene. And uh, it is 100% legit. A lot of people have uh, not – I've not seen it, but a lot of people uh, have read what it might be and blah, blah, blah. Um, I've actually heard it. I sent you guys the audio. We'll talk about it. So stick around after the end music. If you don't want to know, if you're a spoiler pussy and you don't want to know and you just want to wait until the movie drops – um, then go ahead and, and, and watch it, uh, October 1st and, uh, find out for yourselves. But, uh, we will be talking about the Venom Let There Be Carnage post credit scene after the closing music of this very podcast, Jake. Yeah, fuck yeah. Unclench your pussy and, and join us for that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Unclench the pussy. Yeah. Yeah. Put the, uh, put, 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 put the kegels on hold. Is that what they're called? Kegels? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I mean, I learned that from you, so if I'm wrong, it's knowledge you've given me. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of, like, a joke about a kegel bagel. Maybe it's a a bagel that looks like a vagina. (laughs) 
<laughs> Are there seeds on that bagel? Mm, you could put your seed on that bagel if you want to, Jake. <laughs> I was trying to line it up for you there. <laughs> and Jake with the assist. Um, <laughs> yeah. Spreading a little bit more than cream cheese on this bagel. Uh, speaking of spread. Um, mm, drinking some beer tonight, gentlemen. Drinking some drink nice. I got Drinking some Coors Light, Jake. No, I'm just I'm drinking Stella. No, you're not. <laughs> me and Sam, me and Sam Elliott drinking some Coors. <laughs> Is it, what do you What do you think Sam Elliott drinks other than whiskey? And when it comes when it comes PBR. to beer, is it PBR, Pabst Blue Ribbon? Yeah. Not not a. I think you drink a cheap American beer. Does sound right. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm. I don't know if it's. I'm. Th- I'm saying Bush. Hmm. I'm saying Bush. Schlitz. Schlitz? Yes. Oh, man, the old... No, how Hams. about... Hams. Oh, fuck. Was that the one that had the fucking... They had, like, the, the mascot that was a cute little cartoon bear that looked like he would hang out with Chili Willy, that polar bear or whatever? <laughs> totally. Yeah. How... Dude, I, like, you cannot tell me that fucking beer companies were not trying to line up children, like, later on to drink their fucking beer when you have like a little cartoon fucking Hanna-Barbera uh, or whatever. Who, who made the Woody Woodpeckers and the Chili Willies? Uh, <laughs> I think that's MGM. When is that going to come back? When are they get, when are those cartoons going to come back? Everything fucking comes back. When is somebody, whoever's pretty si- sure Woody Woodpecker got canceled. <laughs> is what happened there? What happened with Woody Woodpecker? I, I don't know. <laughs> there were allegations. <laughs> I don't know if you're making a joke or what. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> didn't they didn't they bring him back like a couple years ago or something? There was something like on YouTube or something. I think it was like a CGI CGI thing or something maybe. Yeah, it was some sort of series though. Yeah. It's fucking dumb. Anyway, I'm surprised they just haven't brought all those characters back. Everything fucking comes back. They're just like, "Oh, we're sitting on this property. Let's fucking turn it into something now." And then try to whole whole expanded universe. Because Marvel's doing that. We can have the Chili Willy and Woody Woodpecker verse. <laughs> there was a Woody Woodpecker live action movie in 2017. I never even heard of this. Mm. I feel like I'm in an alternate reality here. And who, did, who did the voice of Woody Woodpecker in that? Uh, Eric Baza? I have no idea who that is. Oh, fuck. Classic. Eric Baza. I have no idea who it is. Never heard of fucking Eric Baza. They <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get Jason Lee or somebody. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's the Alvin and the Chipmunks guy, shipwrecked. And all yeah, that. I know, but he's the he's the he's not the voice of the of the Chipmunks. He could have now. He could have. He could have. You know, he could have played both sides of this this these of these stupid movies, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> If this guy's the voice of Drift in the Transformers cartoon that was most recent. Oh, how can I forget that, dude? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, hey, I want to thank uh, this is this episode. Yeah, we're not we're, we're not coming back for two weeks, Jake. And after listening to like the first five minutes of banter on this one, I think people might be happy about that announcement. <laughs> um, yeah. Gives them plenty of time to find out about this Woody Woodpecker yeah. movie. Yeah, Brian, why don't you dive into the old Woody Woodpecker Wikipedia? Uh, they call it the what? What do they? What do they call it? The Peckerpedia? Woodipedia? Uh, the, the Peckerpedia? I like that too. Mm. Peckerpedia, yes. Uh, which is totally different than Peckerpedio. That's a completely <laughs> different. 
Yeah, you can careful get, when you go to yeah. careful when you're trying to find out about Woody Woodpecker. Yeah, exactly. And have somebody knocking on your door. <laughs> Chris Hansen wanting to sit you down. All right, let's see here. Uh, I want to think, um, oh yeah, we're not coming back for two weeks, so yeah, we'll be back, what was it, October? I think it's October 9th after this episode, Jake, is when we're, we'll, uh, I, I, we record on October 9th and then we'll come back on the 10th. Yeah, that sounds yep, right. Yep, lots of cool stuff in the meantime, huh? Excited for Sopranos prequel, Venom 2? Uh, I never watched Sopranos. Oh, okay. So, it would, I, I guess I could watch the prequel. Yeah, yeah, what's it going to spoil? There's a guy named Big Pussy. Yeah, that's true. I know that. I know that much. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I've absorbed a little yeah, bit of Sopranos. You're caught up. I, oh, maybe Sopranos is my is my top gu- is my top gun, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a TV show. Though. I know, I, I know, Jake. It. I know, Jake. But you know, we're these are loosey goosey rules we're working with. If Mighty Ducks is is you know was the original <laughs> was the original entry. <laughs> yeah, I won't argue that between the two, you should watch Sopranos. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I should get on Sopranos. I love that uh, mafia gangster shit. Anyway, I want to thank some listeners for some donations that have been coming in uh, this past week. Uh, huge thanks to Michael Rarick, um, Alfredo Tostado. Thank you so much, and then Kyle Borowski. Thank you guys so much for the donations that came in this week. It was a very pleasant surprise, and uh, it really helps the show, and can't do it without you. Thank you so much. That was fucking awesome, Jake. Oh, yeah. So much appreciated every time. Always helps. Um, let's see here. Yeah, and I also just want to thank all the people that reached out to me last week, and you know who you are. A lot of people reached out to me last week, and it was really cool, man. A lot of good people, a lot of good listeners in the Army, so I... I, uh, I I don't want to embarrass you, so I, I could name everybody, but I won't, I won't embarrass you. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You guys are fucking awesome. Uh, Jake, new contest, new contest, and we'll announce the winner, uh, winners when we come back. And, uh, this is for five digital codes for the Cruella movie. Uh, every good villain has a bad beginning. Emma Stone and Emma Thompson start the Emmas, Jake, as they're, as they're known in Hollywood. <laughs> Ah, the Emmas. <laughs> Watson's always shunned. She always tries to get I in. I know. She wants to make it a triple Emma trifecta, and she just can't do it. They just, they're, they're, they're the mean girl Emmas, and they won't let her into their, their club. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Emma Stone and Emma Thompson star in Disney's, that joke went nowhere, Jane. <laughs> it was funny, funny how much that bombed. I want to. Like, this that is was the redeeming part of it. I want to play that little song, that song that comes on at the end of Little Monsters. We're on a road to nowhere. <laughs> yeah. no, it's one of my favorites. I love that. Oh, it's it's a fucking great song, and it's a it's a. I still love that movie, and one of the reasons I love Little Monsters with um, uh, what's his name, Fred Savage, so much. Of course, Howie Mandel's fucking fantastic in that movie but like just the 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 makeup and the prosthetics and they made boy so goddamn creepy like they don't do that today kids are pussified today like we don't want to scare children anymore like i needed that in my life jake that was scary boy was fucking scary like when you saw the back of his fucking head that shit was scary as fuck and that's a pg that's just a pg movie 
Yeah, you're right. Stuff was a lot more like Children's Fair was a lot scarier yeah. back when we were younger. That's for sure. Even the stuff that's like thematically scary that comes out now still isn't isn't scary. Like no. your, your monster houses or your Adams family or Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not very scary. Everything's friendly these days. Jake, fucking uh fucking refrigerators were killing kids back in the eighties. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, Everything. I learned to stay away from those in the woods. You know, I remember I watched the episode of Punky Brewster and, uh, who was it? Was it Cherry? One of their fucking friends got locked in one of these things. Could have died. Could have died. You run out of oxygen in those things. You could have died. Well, I, I can't, and I just remembered like at the time, now I think it's silly, but I remember at the time that, yeah, it did feel like there were just a lot of like, fucking like empty freezers sitting around <laughs> in the 80s like you just walk down any random road and there's a fucking refrigerator hanging out in somebody's yard yeah we didn't have uh you know the internet to, to sell things to people that needed them or, or pawn shops didn't exist back then so you just had to loiter them all over the place well i think i think it was just like now you can open a refrigerator if you lock yourself in you can just kind of push yeah. yourself out but back in the day they used to fucking like they would lock. You'd have to pull them from the outside or whatever the fuck. I don't. I don't know refrigerator mechanics, Jake. Yeah, oh yeah, they, they had like a big, big like steel bar that you had to pull. Back in the day. Yeah, kids were getting locked in them, fucking dying in refrigerators. <laughs> That's a. Oh, what a. I hate that I'm laughing at that. Oh, it's yeah, terrible. Jesus, Kevin, have a soul. <laughs> next next time I have you on, Kevin, I'm gonna find a documentary about kids that died in refrigerators. I hope so, because I will watch the fuck out of there. <laughs> it's probably just one kid, right? Like, that's how this kind of shit works. <laughs> no. One kid died in a no, bridge. It no, had to no, been, t- no. like, Hide and Go Seek, man, was a game that everybody was playing. And kids were hiding in refrigerators and dying in refrigerators. That was the, that was the tagline on the PSA. Hiding in refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> hiding in refrigerator? Dying in refrigerator is what it was, Jake. Here we go. Between 2012 and 2017, how many people do you think have died inside of household appliances? Uh, uh, this is between 2000. <laughs> I want I want 80s stats. I want I fucking. Find them. I, could, I, I, find I love them. that you looked this up. <laughs> yeah, but 2012, 2017. I think that fucking people are a little bit more savvy to household appliances. I'm talking like 80s. These are these are brand new things. People, what is this new fandangled microwave thingamabobber? Can I stick my head in it? <laughs> How about this, Kirby? How about this one? All right. How long do you think it takes for a small child to die in a refrigerator? Hmm. How many <laughs> how many cubic inches are we talking? In this I, I, it doesn't your matter. Average fridge. Your, oh, your average fridge. Um, I would give that kid about uh, two hours. Six minutes. Six minutes. Uh, Six to ten minutes. Uh, I'm calling bullshit there. I mean, a child's a child, though. I mean, they most likely they're probably going to panic, right? Like an adult would know, like, fuck, here's the situation. I can't, you know. I don't You're know. not going to run out of oxygen in that amount of time. No, no way. Hey, Google's never lied to me before, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> We all have to go with the scientist on this one. We all like see the studies on that thing. Let's see the studies. <laughs> yeah. How many children did you kill and how fast did it happen? All right, Bill, we got another dead one. <laughs> this one only lasted five minutes. I think it's right. 
<laughs> this kid had asthma. He lasted two and a half. <laughs> yeah, that's a variable. Oh, we that. We were talking about Cruella. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure our sponsor's gonna love. No, 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 no. no I'm killing dogs. I'm uh, starting. I'm starting. Humans. I'm starting the Creole cruel the, the Cruella. I almost said Creola, like she was like. <laughs> I don't know. That's either like from Louisiana or the Crayon Company. Mm, I was thinking Louisiana. Oh yeah, All some right. spicy Creola. Some spicy Creola. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jambalaya. Mmm, <laughs> mm, man. And we're gonna start the contest over because I can't have them listening to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever ruined a sponsor more than there. That was amazing. I'll be quiet. I don't even know how it got started. How, how we... long do you think it would take for a puppy Dalmatian to survive in a refrigerator? Oh, and let's not bring animals into this, Jake. All right, so it's it's all cute. To be no, it's cute when we're talking about four year olds, but let's not bring animals into this. <laughs> 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 oh boy! Mm. All right, yeah, guys. Um, yeah, give it away five digital copies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, when we return um, in October. Uh, we will be giving away five digital copies of Cruella. Uh, every good villain has a bad beginning. Emma Stone and Emma Thompson star in Disney's Cruella, which follows the early days of one of cinema's most notorious and notoriously fashionable villains. Add Cruella to your Disney movie collection today and enjoy deleted scenes, bloopers, and behind-the-scene features. Available now on digital and on 4K, Ultra HD, Blu-ray, and DVD, September 21st. So, yeah, uh, we're giving away five digital copies of Cruella. Uh, all you need to do in order to enter to win this movie, which I gave a Tupperware. I absolutely loved Cruella. Um but if you want to win a digital copy of the movie, uh, I'm going to send out a tweet and a Facebook post. All you need to do is share or retweet that. Take a screenshot, send it to me, uh, comments at popcultureleftovers.com and title it Cruella. And uh, I will get you entered into the contest. And then when we return October 10th, I will go over the five winners for the digital Con, uh, contest, uh, the digital codes for this contest. So, um, yeah, excited to give away, uh, copies of that movie. I absolutely loved it. So, um, yeah, enter the contest, please. Uh, righty. Let's jump into guys, instead of burying like the, I think it's the lead of this, one of the leads of this podcast. Um, I do want to talk about the, the new Hawkeye trailer, uh, that just dropped. Uh, was it, was it Monday that it dropped, Jake? I believe it was Monday. Monday. Monday or Tuesday. Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, Hawkeye. Uh, before we jump in and before I start to break it down, I do want us to kind of rate this one. And, uh, if this is your first time listening, let me play our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. 
if all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Kevin, you watched this one about 30 minutes ago. Yes. It's fresh on the mind. Very fresh on the mind. I want to hear what you thought about the uh, the Hawkeye trailer. This is uh, Haley Steinfeld and Jeremy Renner. And, uh, yeah, what did you think about this one? Yeah, I, I I know very little about Hawkeye. I know, I mean, the whole Matt Fraction series, I, I know a little bit about that and how this is, I mean, kind of based off, styled off that or whatever, or at least it seems to be that way. Um, but I was very, very, very pleasantly surprised at this because I really didn't have much going into it. I thought, hey, this is cool. Going to see Hawkeye in his own series. Um, but I absolutely loved of how they've got this themed, how they've got this set, and in the tra- overall trailer regarding, hey, it's I, I love anything at Christmas. So, I mean, you set something at Christmas gives me Die Hard type <laughs> vibes almost a little bit. I uh, it 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 actually got me really 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 excited for this series that I really didn't care too much about before. Um, so, I mean, to me. That that gives me a Tupperware. I mean, I that I Tupperware the trailer um, for not knowing really anything what's going to happen other than what was shown in the trailer. Yeah, Tupperware from Kevin Jake. You're notoriously not a Haley Steinfeld fan. Yes, that is true. That is true. So I am not expecting a lot really, as far as like your like not thoughts on this, but like as far as like maybe kind of like. Um, your enjoyment of the trailer. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just, you know, there are certain actors that, that, you know, that I see pop up in things and they just, they've never, you know, been my favorite and it just like rubs me the wrong way, gives me a bad first impression of whatever project that they're in. Um, and, uh, I'm wondering if that was the case here when you watched Haley Steinfeld in the Hawkeye trailer. No, actually, I didn't. I didn't think she was too distracting in that way at all. And, and usually, that kind of stuff does bother me. Um, I, I actually enjoyed this far more than I thought I would have when I watched it. Um, a because of just like what you said, I'm not the biggest Haley Steinfeld fan. And honestly, um, maybe not to the fault of Jeremy Renner, but Hawkeye just really hasn't been one of the best portrayed characters in the MCU up until this point. So I, I just didn't really know what to expect. Um, I am a big fan of Matt Fraction and what he did, and I knew they were going to borrow from that, but you never know how loose or you know how much they're actually going to be influenced by that kind of thing. So even that didn't really get me all that excited. So I actually thought this was a welcome surprise. I, I too, like Kevin, loved the the Christmas theme going on here. I really didn't know that was going to be a thing until seeing the uh, trailer. I, I laughed at the pun with the uh, the best gifts come with a bow. I thought that was pretty fucking genius. Um, and yeah, I thought Hawkeye just looked like a badass. It's cool. Hawkeye's going to get his time to, you know, be fleshed out a bit more and just do some cool action sequences. I think my favorite moment in the entire trailer was uh, him busting out the window before the fucking Molotov cocktail got there and then catching it and throwing it back. I was just like, man, that's fucking badass Hawkeye shit. This this could be really fucking cool. So, yeah, I, I this made me a lot more excited than I had been. Seeing this in action, fully realized, and not just thinking about the things I hate about this franchise made me a lot more excited than me just loathing about it for really no good reason. What did you rate it? 
Uh, high tasted. High tasted. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I knew with 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 Haley Steinfeld it was not going to get a top wear. I knew that that was out of the cards. <laughs> I just knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 just the fact that it made me excited for a show that I really wasn't all that excited for. I got to give it props, but it to me it also wasn't like the greatest crafted piece of trailer I've ever seen in my life either. So I kind of try to reserve that for the Tupperwares when it comes to the trailers. Sure, I thought it was fantastic. I, I am going to give it a Tupperware because it got me super excited for the series. Uh, it's very reminiscent of a lot of the things that happened in the uh, Matt Fraction David Aha run of the comics which i love i actually still i have the entire series in comic books not in trades i bought these the first one the first issue that came out i went to the comic book store asked the comic book guy hey what's good this week he said oh you'll be surprised but the new hawkeye book that just came out is amazing and i was like hawkeye <laughs> and i picked it up took it home read it and i was blew away and i was a subscriber ever since so I loved, and then when I actually dropped Lemire, who I love, I love Jeff Lemire. When he took over the book after um, Fraction left the series, I t I I started that and I dropped it. I I was and and Lemire had come from doing a, a Green Arrow run over at DC. Anyway, I Tupperware this trailer. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. I thought the love the Christmas theme, love the choice of music that they used in the trailer. And, um, I did like you, Kevin, get like those diehard vibes. Um, I also appreciated the, um, them kind of like, I, we knew with Kate Bishop that there was going to be a mentor role, but I love the fact that Marvel was taken on like this kind of like mentorship role with Hawkeye because we saw him be kind of like a mentor and somebody that, you know, Wanda could really rely on and, uh, Age of Ultron. But uh, I love seeing more of that, and I love seeing his interactions here with Kate Bishop. I Tupperware it. I loved everything that I saw here. It looks like it's going to be a really fun show. Like, if I compare, like, you know, just the fun level in this show is an absolute Tupperware for me. It just looks like it's going to be a blast. You've got Lucky the Pizza Dog. You've got, you know, the tracksuit mafia. And I even think that they're going to be fun and comical, just like they were in the comic book run, calling everybody bro. And <laughs> I just, I think it's going to be fantastic. So let's do a breakdown of the Hawkeye trailer. Uh, it's going to be set in, I thought it was Christmas of 2024. I'm wrong. It's Christmas of 2023. So basically, in the timeline, this takes place, of course, after Endgame, which was October of uh 2023 um next in the timeline would be wandavision which takes place a few weeks after then hawkeye and then falcon and winter soldier which is april of 2024 followed by spider-man far from home which is in june of 2024 and then of course no way home which is in uh, i think fall of 2024 but i'm not 100 percent sure and then Shang-Chi, I think it, I, we don't have it 100% nailed down, but I think it takes place between April and like July of 2024. So this is, this is still relatively, um, I'd say within just a few months of, of the blip. So the yeah, first post blip Christmas, right? Yeah, it is the first post blip Christmas because and well, we see that in the trailer when um, his daughter is basically this is the first uh, Christmas our family is going to have in years. 
and we see that you know he's and in the trailer we see that Clint he's taken the family out to dinner and a show and the show is a Steve Rogers musical called Rogers which um is I think they're just going to be I I don't know how much of this musical they're going to show but I would imagine they're going to show a chunk of it, but you know, I mean, I feel I, like we're going to get one major song number. Yeah. Um, we don't see Linda Cardellini who plays his wife and, uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going on with her character in this series. He tells her at one time, um, while she's on the phone, he says, I'll be home in a couple days, babe. So I think that she just couldn't be in New York with the with him and the kids for some reason she's probably back at home um maybe has like some priorities there um and um Clint is basically like this it it feels like this like once he once his kids leave and go back home it feels like this is like a race against time for him to stop whatever like kind of like evil is going on in New York and then make it back home in time for Christmas and I I think I'm really we're gonna like that a lot I think that's gonna be fun like him like I, I think it'll be probably super fun if we see him like show up like you know, they think he's not going to make it, and then he just shows up, and he just looks like shit, you know? Yeah, that's that's a classic theme, right? The get all this shit done before getting to Christmas and right. not ruining everything. Yeah. Um, Clint is watching the news, and he sees that someone has taken up the Ronin mantle and uh, is doing the work that he started by taking on, you know, different... Um, you know, bad organizations and, and crime lords or whatever. Um, and remember, I want everybody to remember, like I said that I thought that the Hawkeye series would be about, you know, these gangs going after Ronan. Um, you know, when the second snap brought, you know, when the blip happened and everybody was brought back, that meant that some of the gang members that were, you know, snapped away, you know, from the Yakuza or whatever, you know, gang or villains, um, that he was taking on, they came back and they want vengeance against the guy that was going around and taking them out. So now with Kate Bishop taking on the mantle, she's going to need some help and uh, a mentor to help stop them. And I think like Clint sees this on the news and he, of course he, I think he's thinking one of two things when he sees her on the news. I think he's thinking like, you know, that's, that's, that's not me. Of course. Um, who is this? I've got to, I've got to, you know, jump in there and see who this is. That's, you know, that's taken on the Ronin mantle. But on the flip side, I think, I tell you what, I'm going to hold on to that. I think there might be another thing that he's thinking, um, when he see, he sees that on the news. Anyway, in the trailer, we see Clint, go ahead, Jake. Did you have something? I was going to say just some moral responsibility for what's going on. It's, you know, a mantle that he kind of advertised and yeah, he, but he, there's some stuff from the comics though that might come into play because there is a certain character that's in this series that might expound upon the whole Ronan thing is kind of like what I'm going to get at. Um, but it could be the, it could be the other thing. It could just be like, who the fuck is taking on the, the, the mantle of Ronan here? You know? 
Um, so Clint, from this trailer, we see him wearing a, a hearing aid, and in the comics, he does he he he's you know he does go deaf, and from the leaked photos, we have seen that he is going deaf in the series as well. Um, in the trailer, we also see Kate Bishop going against the tracksuit mafia and kind of like a like a like an alley and um the tracksuit mafia this is a hundred percent pulled from the matt fraction run of the the comic where he he buys an apartment building in Bedsty and takes on these tracksuit mafia um to protect the tenants that live in the apartment building and in the comic, these guys, they call everybody bro. And I, like I said, I think we're going to see that play out in here, in this show. I think we will see Ivan. I think we will see all these characters. And I think we actually see Ivan in the trailer a couple times. Really tall guy. Um, and in the comic, you find out that they actually work for Kingpin. And... I do, and I still think this, and I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about it later, but I do think we will see Vincent D'Onofrio show back up as Kingpin in this series. Now, I could be wrong, but I do think it's going to happen. I do think I it's gonna happen. So hope so. That'll be great to see him if that happens. Yeah. I think it's gonna happen. I think it's gonna happen. There's a lot of smoke, and sometimes where there's a lot of smoke, there's a fire. So I think, I think it'll happen. If it doesn't happen, I will be let down. I'm not gonna sit here. Even though, even though the series could be great, if we don't see Vincent D'Onofrio in this series, um, it will, I will be a little let down. And then if we don't see him in this series, I'm also going to start to like wonder, like, are we going to see Charlie Cox return as Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home? If we see him show up in this fucking series, it's a hundred percent that fucking Charlie Cox is coming back in No Way Home in some capacity. So. <laughs> I agree with that logic a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. I, if you're going to bring Kingpin back, this is just the perfect vehicle to do it. Like if it doesn't happen here, it's like, what are we waiting for? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I don't want to see it recast if they can get D'Onofrio. Um, so, uh, there's a rumor that, uh, there's a rumor that, and I'm not sure exactly, uh, what to believe here. There's a rumor that Kate Bishop maybe has lost someone close to her, um, and that's why she's going up against the tracksuit mafia. Maybe they were involved. I personally think that Kate Bishop has issues with her mother, and so she's moved out on her own, and she lives in that building, and they're trying to force her and the other tenants out. So she basically gets a hold of the Ronin costume and, and I'll get into how she gets the Ronin costume later. Uh, but she gets the Ronin costume and then she's basically taking on the Ronin persona as a way to like instill some fear into the tracksuit mafia. She needs a little bit of an edge if she's going to take them on. And she wants to keep her identity close to her chest. She doesn't want to get anybody else, you know, the heat on them. Um, in the trailer, we see Clint tracks her down as she's taking them on in that alley. And then um, he stops them and then confronts Kate Bishop. And this is where she says, you're Hawkeye and freaks out. Um, 
And then there's that scene where the tracksuit mafia is throwing, you know, the bottle through the window to, to destroy the building. And, um, this is probably an order that's been handed down from their boss, who I think again could be the kingpin. And, um, I'm gonna get into those kingpin rumors, um, before we get out of this, uh, trailer breakdown. Um, their boss also could be, if it's not kingpin, it could also be Tony Dalton's character of, uh, the swordsman, Jack Duquesne, who, is not featured in the trailer at all, but we know he's been cast in the series. And in the comics, he trained Hawkeye when Clint was a young boy. And in the show, he might be a friend. And I'm guessing this is all speculation, but in the show, he might be a friend or accomplice of Kate's mother. Um, I do know in the trailer, you can see a poster in what I believe is Kate Bishop's room. Uh, and it's, it looks like it's a fencing poster. And so maybe she was trained by Jack Duquesne in this series. I'm not 100% sure if she was the one trained by him or if we're going to find out that it was, in fact, uh, Clint that was trained by him. Anyway, the building is above a pizza place. And if you're a fan of the Matt Fraction comic book, you'll remember uh, Lucky the Pizza Dog. And then one of my favorite issues from that run of the comic is the silent issue where you just follow around Lucky the Pizza Dog. is one of the best issues of a comic I've ever read. And really there's no reading. You're just like looking at, you're just looking at this, a day in the life of, uh, of pizza dog. It is a fantastic fucking issue. Uh, we see Vera Farmiga in the trailer and she is playing Eleanor Bishop, Kate's mother. Um, she's very wealthy. And in the trailer, we do see both Kate and Clint dressed up going to an event of some kind. We see Clint wearing a tuxedo, and then later we see him ziplining over Rockefeller Plaza wearing the same tuxedo, and these scenes are probably all connected to the, um, to the event that they go to, which looks like it's an auction. In the trailer, we see what looks like a very private, maybe even secret auction going on at a wine cellar. Um, you even see like a guy holding up a paddle with a number on it. So there's an auction going on and it's probably an event that's hosted by Kate's mother who could also be a secret crime lord herself. We don't know yet. Um, and I want to talk about the auction because there is an arc in the fraction comic where Madam mask is selling a tape um, in order to blackmail Clint. And maybe they're pulling from the the comic here, and maybe this is an auction scene where they are selling maybe some video footage of, of Clint, you know, something proving that he's Ronan. And Clint wants to take it from them. Or, you know, maybe nobody's... Maybe they know, like, on the tape you get to see the real identity of, of Ronan and maybe, you know, I don't know who they're, who's going to be on the tape. Could it be Kate Bishop? Could it be Clint? I don't know, but they want to, they want to steal the data, um, the tape, the data, whatever. And he needs the help of Kate to get into the auction because of her connections with her mother. And I just want to point out that in the comic, one of the bidders was Kingpin. Oh, so ah. yeah. Do you think this could be our first appearance of Kingpin is in this auction? Uh, I will get to what I think is going to be the first appearance of Kingpin when we when when I talk about all the. I don't think that this is. I don't. I if you were to ask me, yeah, I, I would say I. 
I don't think that this is our first appearance of Kingpin is this moment. I will talk about that. Um, I'm going to get into all the things kind of like making me think that we could see, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio making an appearance in this series. Um, there's rumors that Vera Farmiga might be playing Madame Mask in the series. So she might be, she might be more of a villain. Um, we do see Kate's purple costume from the comics in a scene where she drops in, to save Clint after he's been kidnapped by the tracksuit mafia. And it looks very funny. I keep thinking like Clint sitting down in that chair. And I keep thinking to myself, like, could this have been like another scene of like, Clint's not worried at all. He, he feels like he can escape. It reminds me of the black widow scene. Do you remember in the Avengers Mm -hmm. when she's like, you know, they've got her captured and then she gets a phone call and, and then she, and they tell her that, you know, that we need her. And so she has to like basically wrap it up with these guys after they, you know, fucking James Bond villain blabbed their plans and all this shit. I, yeah, I love that moment. Yeah. I was wondering if like, this is like going to be reminiscent of that where Clint is like, Clint is very confident in the fact that he's going to be able to break out of this. And then she shows up and fucks it all up. Like she turned, she's like hot rod in the Transformers movie that, you know, <laughs> fucking showing up to help Optimus and Optimus don't need no help. Mm. Yeah, that would be a fun callback. Like, or maybe it's just Hawkeye himself, like thinking he can do exactly what Natasha did, but just fucking it up himself, you know? That's true. Yeah, that'd be funny. That'd be funny as well. If could, if we could really feel like it's definitely calling back on that, on that moment and he, and he's, he's not able to do it. Yeah, yeah. That would be funny. Um, we see Kate in the Ronin costume with Hawkeye and they're at a Renaissance fair and, um, it looks like they're fighting. I don't, do you guys think that they're just LARPing? I think that they're, I think the scene makes it look like they're all fighting, but I think it's just like, I think Kate Bishop is probably friends with the people at the Ren Fair and that's where she kind of like learned her archery skills to begin with and they're probably just like super stoked that an Avenger is there. And so they're all just having like, I think he's probably going to show up and be like, this is so fucking dumb. And then they're going <laughs> to cut to a scene of like him acting like he's fighting all of them and having a blast. Yeah. I love that theory. It it does look like it just could be a big, like LARPing celebration fight yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that maybe like she goes to Renaissance fairs and like, that's one of the places where she learned, you know, some of her archery skills. I don't know, but she does come from wealth, so maybe she took some archery. I don't know. Um, either way, I think we're going to see a lot of Clint honing her skills in the series, and I'm excited for that. Um, we see a car chase scene. Like, even the scene at the end when they're diving into the water, it looks like it could be a training sequence. You know, just to jump I into agree. the water to cushion their blow. Because we saw Clint do this in Avengers, um, but he did it from a fucking building, and there was definitely... You know, more more at stake there. Um, we see a car chase scene where Clint and Kate are battling the tracksuit mafia who are in a van with the business uh, Trust a Bro painted on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And this is actually pulled from the Hawkeye comic series as well uh, in issue three. It's basically just a, a really a long car chase uh, issue, and it's really good. Yeah, I think that it's the like this. It's a red 70s challenger, too. Yeah, yeah. That's what's in the that's what's in the trailer, and I think I've seen a couple of panels of of that Challenger in that from that uh, book. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I 
But they're not driving it, and then they and they, they are no, driving. I think they switched it around. Yeah, they, they switched it the around. Other people were driving. Yeah, um, we get a shot of uh, uh, the character Maya Lopez. It's uh, it's a, it's one shot, and she's shown with like this red light on her face. Uh, actor Alakwa Cox is playing Maya Lopez. Um, Echo is the name of the of her character, and she's also getting her own Disney Plus series later down the road. Um, she was a villainous assassin and and a hero at different points in in her comic history, and she has ties to Daredevil. <laughs> has ties to Daredevil. Um, I'm guessing that she's going to be a villain in this series before becoming, you know, a, a hero in her in her Disney Plus series. Um, in the pages of uh, of the comics, she's a uh, deaf Native American character who has the ability to copy another person's movements very much like we saw Taskmaster do in the uh, Black Widow movie. Um, I love that character. I, I'm a big fan of the uh, Brian Michael Bendis, Alex Maleev Daredevil stuff that featured a ton of this character and uh, super excited to see her get fully realized. Yeah, yeah, especially get her own series as well. Um, which I think is really, we know that Clint is going deaf in the series. And so I think it's going to be super interesting to see, you know, how Echo ties in with all of this, with her character being deaf. And, um, I also want to point out that in the comics, she was the original Ronin. So yeah, totally. Maybe we'll find out that she and Clint have battled in the past Maybe he defeated her. Maybe he left her for dead. She didn't die, and now she wants to stop whoever took on her alias of Ronan. And that would lead her to Kate Bishop and Clint working together. So, when Clint sees on the news that Ronan is attacking people, maybe he doesn't think it's Kate Bishop right away. Maybe he thinks it's Echo. Yeah, I think that's a great theory. I would love them to tie in that that fact that Echo and the comics was so closely related to the Ronin storyline and all that stuff. So yeah, I think it would be I think, awesome. I think it would be awesome. Do you think we're gonna get any like audio where we get to hear how Hawkeye how he hears? You know, are they gonna give that to us? That would be great. I, I think you have to. I think you have to do something like that because yeah. that would be cool. Well, it was. Uh, don't you think? Did you watch Sound of Metal, Kevin? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that film. That's great. I mean, they should take some cues from that movie. Yes. Yeah. I would 100%. love to see Echo, like, too. Like, just, like, a completely silent yeah. action sequence would be fucking awesome. Yeah, do that. And I'm sure we'd see a lot more of that in her series as well. Um, also, I want to point out that uh, Echo was trained in the comics when she was a child by Kingpin after Kingpin killed her father. So this is very kind of a very reminiscent relationship of, uh, you know, Thanos and Gamora that we've seen. Um, and I do want to point out that Echo's father has been cast in the show. So we might get that flashback here in the series. That's the least you can do after you kill someone's father. At least give him some, some courses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Let's jump into these. That's basically uh, that's that's what I have for the the trailer breakdown. I I 
I fucking loved this trailer. I can't wait to get a second trailer. And then when does this drop? November? Yeah, yeah it has an exact Thanksgiving. Date. I thought it was November 24th. 24th, yes. Yeah, which I believe is Thanksgiving, isn't it? Uh, it might be. I am fact-checking that. You might be right. It's somewhere it is right the around. day before Thanksgiving. Nice. Yeah, day before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, Wednesdays. Eve. It's Wednesdays, which is like their new date yep. that they're dropping stuff on. Yeah. Right, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, let's jump. I want to jump into these Kingpin rumors. Um, <laughs> let's jump in. I mean, there's a lot of comic ties. We've talked about a lot of comic ties to Kingpin. But what's going on in the real world? What's going on on Twitter? What's going on in, <laughs> on some of these other sites? First off, uh, D'Onofrio, is D'Onofrio trolling us? Because if, cause if he's, it's fucked up. He posted about a dog 10 minutes after the Hawkeye trailer dropped. And yeah. we, and we know there's <laughs> Lucky the Pizza Dog in the trailer. Um, the Mary Sue had an article. They said the Daredevil actor, actor took to Twitter to share what looks like a poem about his tweets and how he loves the fandom surrounding his performance of Wilson, Wilson Fisk in Daredevil. But it, it isn't confirmation that he is or is not in Hawkeye. So I guess in a way, Vincent D'Onofrio is keeping our dream alive. He, he tweeted um, this as well to basically, you know, kind of like make us think that he's not going to be in it. He says... Silly to look deeper into the little pieces I write. I've been writing them for years now. Although I appreciate the fandom because I loved playing him in Daredevil. Um, <laughs> mo- <laughs> Kevin, do you have anything to add? <laughs> I was just going to say, I think uh, after that tweet, that original tweet, I think he got a call from Kevin Feige and said, don't do that again. Yeah, Ke- and- Kevin Kevin probably said, probably said, are you... Are you been, have you been hanging out with Alfred Molina? What is going on? <laughs> don't do it again. Right. <laughs> this is strike one. Don't do it. I well, mean, even you don't want to give any of that stuff away. Here's the, most of these Netflix actors have been interviewed recently. Uh, and the odd thing is that like none of them, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about John Bernthal, Charlie Cox, Kristen Ritter, and Vincent D'Onofrio. None of these particular actors have s- just flat out said no. They've all been very cryptic. Yeah, all yeah, of them. Very coy. Um, Charlie that's Cox. Exactly, that's exactly what you want to do, though. Yes. You can't say yes. Yeah. You're not going to say no either. You're well, unless you're Andrew Garfield. He just flat <laughs> out, if Andrew Garfield just flat out says no. And he's so full of shit. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio has been also uh, liking tweets congratulating him on his return in Hawkeye. And I looked at man like as soon as like I heard that I st- I went to his uh Twitter page and I clicked on his likes and I'm just like there's like a string of them where he's just liking and then people are commenting about him liking those tweets and it's like is he just liking them because he likes that fans want him back as Kingpin or is he liking them just to kind of like give us that wink, you know, that, yeah, don't worry, I'm coming back. I'll be, I'll be Kingpin again. And, um, Charles Murphy is now reporting and he's a leaker. Charles Murphy is now reporting a three episode appearance for Fisk on his discord. So he's saying Kingpin's going to be in three episodes. He says, most likely a credit scene in episode four, then a bigger role in episodes five and six. Um, 
I'm going to get to what I think we could be seeing here. A few months ago, Redditors in charge of the Marvel Studios spoiler subreddit said that they could verify a huge Hawkeye spoiler about the villains of the show. According to the sources they talked to, Vincent D'Onofrio would bring his Wilson Fisk Kingpin character over to the highly anticipated Disney Plus TV show. That's a big deal when you get, uh, when you get Redditor approved on Marvel Studios spoilers subreddit. Um, they said, we are excited to reveal that according to our verif- verified sources, Vincent King, Vincent's Kingpin is going to make his MCU re- re-debut in Hawkeye this year. The source indicated that Daredevil was also support- supposed to make his MCU re-debut in Hawkeye alongside his role in Spider-Man No Way Home, but scheduling for Hawkeye didn't work out. Kingpin will instead be filling that void. And I've heard this same rumor for a little over a month. Um, here's my, here's my theory is what they're going to do. My theory is that Kingpin was taken in the snap. And I think when Charles Murphy says we're going to see a credit scene in episode four, I think that that credit scene is going to be a shot of him coming back in the blip in a flashback scene. And now he's out for revenge against Clint. And that might, I think that that might be the scene that we see. Maybe we see like the ashes reforming and we can't make out like, who are we looking at? And then when it finally forms, like the camera pans up and we're all shocked. It's Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk. We're looking at Kingpin. I love that. Just that concept is too brilliant not to use for at least one character, right? We have to see at least one mysterious who is reforming moment. Like they can't waste that idea. They, if not Kingpin, then someone, right? Like, oh my gosh, that's just too fun of an idea, like, to reveal someone post-blip like that. I think it's cool. Like, we, you think about, like, all these, you know, criminals and, and crime organizations and the Yakuza that Clint was going after. Um, think about if Wilson Fisk was one of those guys that he couldn't go after, and now he's back, and now he wants revenge against Clint. Man, it, and it makes me wonder, like, if... If Kingpin is kind of like behind or or maybe Val, you know, Val recruiting Yelena Belova to go after Clint, you know, saying that he's the one responsible for Natasha's death. And we know that Yelena is going to be showing up. We know Florence Pugh is going to be showing up as Yelena Belova in the Hawkeye series. That news was broken by Variety in December of last year. It's 100 percent confirmed. It makes me wonder if that may be, you know, Val recruiting her is, is something, maybe Val's working also, you know, in, in the shadows with Kingpin. Yeah, I could see a connection there. Or they're both like doing each other some kind of favor. And yeah. Kingpin's going to help maybe Val recruit, um, you know, Haley Steinfeld's character and then... Uh, no, not... No, Florence it, Pugh. Haley Steinfeld's oh. the good Kate Bishop. Yeah, yeah, but you don't think they're going to try to get that character too? I think she's going to be a part of the Young Avengers. Yeah, okay, okay. And I think we're going to be looking at a Young Avengers series. I think we'll have a Dark Avengers and a Young Avengers. Dark Avengers are slash Thunderbolts and then a Young Avengers. And I think the Young Avengers will be a Disney Plus series. 
Because okay. most of yeah. these most of these characters that we're seeing pop up that we think are going to be part of the Young Avengers have been popping up in the Disney Plus series, like Kid Loki. Uh, Ms. Marvel's getting her own show. Um, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, the, yeah, the, that, the yeah, I can't remember his name, but yeah, yeah, fucking um, the original Captain America dudes. Grandson. Grandson. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. All right. That makes sense. I just thought there was a potential possibility that Haley Steinfeld could also get drafted onto that group, too. Not with Yelena Belova. I don't know. I With Yelena Belova kind of going after them. I wonder what's going to happen with her character in that in the Hawkeye series. Yeah. How much of her are we going to see? Is it going to be like a whole episode where maybe she's kind of the villain? I think so. I think so. Yeah. They, they've got to like. That whole post-credit scene is kind of like leading up to this moment in this series, I would imagine. I think there's going to be a whole episode with her before maybe she learns the truth and maybe like whatever, if there is a tape at that auction, maybe it'll prove that it's not Clint or, or I don't know, or there's nothing to prove there. Clint was on fucking Vormir and she fucking died. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think she's eventually going to get talked down off the ledge though by the time this series is over. Yeah, I think that too. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it'll get worse, honestly, because if she's going to stick with the Dark Avengers and stick with Val, maybe what she believes is even further cemented. Yeah. Even though it's false, you know? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I am... That's all I got, man. I don't know. I, 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 I really do think... And I'm excited... God damn it. If we get Vincent D'Onofrio back as Kingpin, I will just, I will lose my fucking shit. And then it's just like, that's even more fucking cementing the fact that we'll get Charlie Cox back as Daredevil. Because, I mean, no matter what you think about, like, you know, the Netflix Marvel experiment, a lot of it was successful. It had its mm-hmm. misses. It had its misses. But my God, when Daredevil came out, there was nothing that was holding my attention more. It was like I gobbled up the, all those episodes. I just fucking like I binged them uh, that first season. Second season was a letdown, but god damn it, third season was like that was fucking amazing. And um and Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Those first two like Netflix series was like nothing we'd ever seen before. Nothing. Just fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I would love to see Kristen Ritter come back as uh, Jessica Jones. Oh yeah, that would be great. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I um, oh man, yeah, it's. I can't wait to see this Hawkeye series. Like D'Onofrio is either one extreme or the other, right? He's either extremely bitter that he's not back as Kingpin, or extremely excited the way he's acting on social media. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I just. I I don't know. Just like he's obviously invested in the character that he played, and cares. Like he obviously, I think he wants to come back. That's plainly visible. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the thing too is, I mean, honestly, who are they going to cast? I, eventually, the character is going to come back. Who would they cast to do a better job than what he did? I can't I mean, think of pers- anybody. He personifies that role. I mean, that's him. I, mean, well, I don't know who you could recast. Well, we've already seen Sony say, you know what? Fuck, if if, if you can't recast J. Jonah Jameson, just cast the guy that, that, that made the role famous in the first place for audiences. 
Yep. Yeah. And I mean, and with the multiverse and all this stuff, I mean, for me, it just makes sense. You know, for me, it just makes sense. And I'm not even saying this has to be a multiverse situation. This can just be like Wilson Fisk was a, was a crime Lord. He's been snapped away for five years and just never had caught the attention of the Avengers. Avengers are looking at fucking like next level, like global threats. Like, you know, this, like, this is street level stuff. This is Spider-Man level stuff. This is Daredevil level stuff. This is street mm-hmm. level stuff. Yeah, all the Netflix stuff. I mean, if you want it to be canon, it can easily be canon. I mean, nothing so gigantic happened in India. Well, they they even fucking it. they well they made it they, canon the first season. Oh yeah, yeah. It. They, they like some of the, the stuff. event. And well, they called the I, they called it the Battle of New York. I mean that mm-hmm. that shit that shit went away by the time we get into like you know second and third seasons of shows. And but it was there. And it was there. The stuff that, that happens in those second and third seasons. It wasn't like just like you're saying they weren't earth-shattering events yeah it it, those could have all happened in the background during infinity war and all the other marvel stuff but i don't think that they can at this point with i think that they can just reintroduce these characters i don't think that they can actually pull from like storylines that happened in the netflix series that was all oh agreed bankrolled by netflix yeah, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, they're not gonna, for the most part, they're but not they're, gonna be like continuing yeah. the stories. It was like I think it was two years, two years, three years that they couldn't. I think it was two, two years where they couldn't use, they couldn't recast, uh, they couldn't bring back these actors as their respective characters. And now we're past that. We're in twenty twenty one. This all ended in twenty eighteen. If they want to, they can, they can do this now. And I think it'd be silly not to. I fucking I think it would be silly not to. I really do. I think it would be a huge miss if there if if Marvel's ever going to be, you know, doing anything with Daredevil, anything with Kingpin in the future, you've got two actors that people already love right there in Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio. It just it really makes sense. Let's let's be let's you know what? Let's please the fans. Let's bring them fucking back. Yeah, and they both clearly love playing those characters too. Yes, yes. So it works both ways. It's the perfect recipe. They're, you're absolutely right. They're just morons that they don't really they don't do this. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, you, were you a big fan of the Marvel Netflix stuff? Oh God, uh, that like you said, the first season of Daredevil. Um, I per- I'm perfect. I absolutely loved that. <laughs> One of the um, best, dude. If yes. they, and honestly, like all this stuff, you know that that, that you know. The, the Netflix Daredevil series and all this stuff, you know, it's all, it's, it's, it's over with now. They did that experiment. A lot of it was successful, mm-hmm. but that's the series that I would love to go back and watch again. I would, wa- I would oh, yeah. even, I would even watch the second season. It was that goddamn good. It was so yeah, good. I mean, I, I didn't like the second season as much. I mean, it had its sure. problems, it, yes. but, but I still watch it again for sure. hundred percent. And then that third season I thought was great as well. Yeah. Um, I even liked the Punisher stuff and, I mean, that's another character. I think Bernthal, it just personifies that character. I mean, that's, that's him. That's that character. He that's might be coming. He might be coming back. He might be coming back. Kristen Ritter might be coming back. I think, I think the guys you're not going to get, of course, is the what Luke Cage. He's not coming back. He's got it. Luke Cage. He's doing that show evil. And then, yeah, and, which is great, which is a great show, by the way. 
I've heard it's really uh, good. I've heard it's, it's really, really good. good. Um, and uh, then Finn Jones as <laughs> as Iron no Fist. One want, no one wants to see him again. Dude, just cast an Asian actor in the role. Exactly. And I know it's a white character in the comics, but just let's, you know, I mean, that that role I feel is like made for like an an Asian actor. And I would love to see them bring an Iron Fist and my God, then they get like <laughs> another. I could I would love to see him interact with Shang-Chi. And then I would love to see just a fucking Iron Fist Luke Cage Heroes for Hire series on Disney Plus. Oh, that would be awesome. Who would you get to play Luke Cage? God, Terry Crews is too old at this point, in my opinion. Um, you got to go with somebody younger. It's a that's a tough call, man. Um, that's a tough call right now. I can't really think of anybody like off the top of my head. Is there like a young actor? Can you think of anybody? I can't think. Yeah, of I can't. I can't think. Of I anybody. would have said. I would have said Winston Duke, but he's he's in Baku in the black in the Black Panther. Yeah, yeah I see. I I can't think of anyone that I, just pops to my, my my mind that. Yeah. I mean, what would who, who would you get? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like one of those things where. Well, here's the thing. Chris Hemsworth. When we first saw. You know, Chris Hemsworth in the Star Trek movie, the J.J. Abrams one, he wasn't jacked and ripped. I oh, mean, no, no, no. You, you would get on the Marvel training yeah. plan here. and Yeah. Yeah. Potentially some HGH as well. But. Yeah, you're probably, taking, <laughs> you're probably taking whatever they're pumping into your system, whatever super soldier serum they got over there at Marvel. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on into good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. We went over the rating system, toss it, taste it, Tupperware. I, I real quick want to just talk about, I did go see uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers in uh, the extended edition in the theater, Jake. Oh, fuck yeah. God damn it. I'm going to say this, and I said it online, I said it on Twitter. Uh, that battle at Helm's Deep, in my opinion, is still the best on-screen battle we've they've ever filmed that's ever been filmed. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm there with you, man. It's like it's just so epic with the music and the cuts and the acting and the atmosphere and all the the stuff that they actually built. And oh man, it's so good. It oh. I don't think anything, nothing, we can even go back to fucking like, you can go back to Gladiator, you can go back, fuck, go back to Ben-Hur with Charlton Heston. I mean, you know, there's some amazing shit that we see in that movie. I don't think anything compares. Nothing in Game of Thrones compares, in my opinion. And I know they had a huge budget and there's some amazing fucking, you know, Battle, was it Battle of the Bastards? Um Nothing yeah, compares. It, it didn't have the emotion. Like it may have one up the two towers when it comes to like just doing it a little bit more, a little bit more practical. But it, it didn't have the same emotional weight. I just man, you just like when they cut to like every all the women and the children in yeah. the caves and yeah. just like uh, seeing like Theoden finally like get his nutsack. Fucking, fucking hearing those people, <laughs> hearing the Urukai and the orcs marching. As they're, as they're approaching, you know, Helm's Deep, there's nothing like it, man. And then you fucking see that one fucking Urukai get up on that rock and blow that horn. And then they're just fucking like clanging their fucking swords and beating their fucking swords on the ground and shit. 
And uh, it's just, and you can just see like the fear in people's eyes. And I, oh, God damn it. I love it when the elves show up. When fucking, when the elves show up. Oh, but, oh, Gandalf's hero moment and the music cue that he gets when the light hits his fucking staff. Well, Gandalf shows up with, uh, with the riders of Rohan that left. Yeah, yeah. Carl that's, that's my favorite music cue in the whole battle, though. Oh, my God. That's a great I moment. Think, I mean, that whole, I, that just goes to show you how much, how much, how important score and music is. I mean, take that music out of there. Uh, it's it's not as effective. Well, it's like it's like watching the the metal ceremony in Star Wars without any of the music. <laughs> have you ever yeah. seen? You've seen that YouTube video? I have. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's so it's so awkward, man. <laughs> it's like watching. It's like also like that one video where they took out the laugh track on an episode of Big Bang Theory, where Sheldon just seems super <laughs> creepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I saw some interesting um, Lord of the Rings movie trivia this week that I'd never really had thought of. And um, in Return of the King, when uh, the birds finally, the falcons finally come and rescue them, there's actually a third falcon there meant to get Gollum, and he he goes down. Uh, there the eagles, the there. eagles, the eagle. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I never noticed that there was the the one for Gollum that just goes down there, realizes there's nothing to pick up and flies away. Uh huh. Yeah. I always actually brought one for Gollum. I actually never realized. I, I've, I've (laughs) seen the one like go and then leave, but I wondered like, why was that one there and leaving? I didn't know it was for Gollum. Yeah. And and I guess that's been confirmed by like, you know, the people that study the books, like the, the Tolkien scholars and everything that, that, and Jackson put it in there for that reason, that, that that was there to get Gollum. But they didn't know, you know, they obviously didn't know how that was all going to turn out. And Gollum wasn't there to get. And mm-hmm. it just makes it that much more sad. Yeah. Yeah. I. Well, I. one thing that I think, you know, I, you know, I, I read the books when I was younger. And uh, the one thing that I'm glad that uh, Peter Jackson did change is like the uh, the destruction of the Shire. Not being oh that that part's so silly. Yeah. It, it comes off like so thematically different than everything that happened before. Like, how do you have the Helm's Deep battle and then that goofy shit happen at the end of the movie? <laughs> well, it's just like it's like everything that they've been working for, and then they come back and like the, the only thing Peter Jackson did was he showed the the vision that they had of the Shire being enslaved, and that's that's basically what happens in the books. But it, it was a better way to show it, though. I mean, it was yeah, way better than what it's like. Soromon and like Worm Tongue like show up to the Shire and fuck it all up, right? And yeah, it all goes down. Yeah, Grima Worm Tongue and yeah, it's Sor- it's uh, Soromon. Yep. Yeah, that's so silly. Yeah. yeah, it was handled way better in the movies. I agree. I agree. I like that. I wonder if the Tolkien family had any pushback on that. You know, Christopher. I what, wonder if the family don't did. they have pushback? No shit. Really. Yeah. 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 I think they got paid pretty well by New Line because they they really you didn't hear too much of them complaining about those movies. No, not really, not really. Um, yeah, Jake, I'm only five episodes into the circle, and they dropped like the additional four, so eight are out total. I'm only five. I I'm really not enjoying the cast on this season, to be quite honest with you. I think this is the weakest cast that I love Isabella, and that's about it on this season. I'm kind of i'll get back to it i'll finish it but my god the first two seasons for me were just phenomenal and i'm just not feeling the this season so far and i might be i might be on an island of my own here 
Yeah, I've kind of warmed up to the cast more over the four episodes that I've watched. Like, I, I, I think I would have agreed with you after just one episode, but now I, I think they're right on par. I, I actually like most of them. Yeah, I'm just not there yet. I'm not there yet. I, I don't know. Um, I started to like Calvin. Now I don't like Calvin anymore because he's fucking over. And I'm not a huge fan of Nick, but he's fucking over Nick. I don't know. I'm just not the biggest fan of uh of season three of the circle hopefully it gets better for me it's i'll finish it it's the fucking circle i love it it's a great social experiment so as as a as a fan i saw the first season yeah i loved it didn't see the second one you would you recommend going back and watching the second one 100 percent. yes great yes. Okay. great season okay and i think the gameplay evolves I, I think every season that happens I think the players are very savvy and they watch those seasons and you could definitely see the like mental adjustments that happen from season to season as far as what it takes to win this game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. I think it, I think like, um, sometimes it affects certain reality shows. Like I think the real world, the first season was about the realest it ever got. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the first three seasons were pretty on par for yeah. real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the second. My favorite. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the first season. I love the second season. I'm not going to lie. I think the third is my favorite, right? The third is the one with, like, fucking Puck and Pedro. Puck is really and... great, yeah. I also like the New Orleans season because I actually knew a cast member that was on that season. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, David Broom. Who was on that New World? It was uh, 2001, um, the New Orleans season. He fucking Jake. He he was a uh, he had a track scholarship at Eureka, but he worked at One World Coffee and Cargo in Peoria. Oh wow! I'm, I'm sure I probably ran into the guy then at least once or twice. Yeah, he was my server there uh, uh, many times, and uh, we ended up becoming friends with him. And he he would get off work and go out with us um, every once in a while. And then I just didn't see him forever. And, uh, apparently I think he went back to Chicago to, to help, um, his mother and that he was from Chicago. He went back to Chicago to help his mother. And then I'm watching like the casting videos for the upcoming season of the real world. And a guy is holding, he's playing like this opera music in the background he's holding up this mask uh a drawn mask of like somebody singing and then he pulls the mask away and it's david broom and i'm like oh my god i fucking know this guy and i start freaking out and then i watch the season and they villainized him on that season and he is one of the nicest people you'll ever fucking meet so yes producers are evil and they will edit certain people to look worse than they actually are and so that doesn't happen on this show. So all the people that hate me probably have a, a valid reason to hate me, Jake. No, I mean, you, if anyone were doing that, it would be you and you're not going to give yourself a villain edit. I mean, maybe you would. I have a, I have a, a story about David Broom that I will probably get into on. It's nothing. That's nothing bad or anything. It's just, it's just, it's just, a, it's a true story that I will get on um, Patreon. I'll probably eventually tell that story on Patreon one day. So for nice. all of our Patreon listeners, you'll get to hear that story one day, the story about uh Have you talked to him post-Real World? No. No, I haven't. No. Dude, I haven't seen him in over 20 years. Uh -uh. Wild. No. 
No, he was on that. He was on Chappelle show where he sang his song and then he, um, was on, uh, real world road rules challenge. First time I actually saw him was, um, in McDonald's in Washington. I was, I filled in, I was working at McDonald's when I was younger. And the first time I saw David Broom was actually when I was serving him at McDonald's, uh, at the Washington McDonald's, um, Jake, and he had purple hair and he still had the lip ring that he had on the show, but he had purple hair and, uh, he was the nicest guy you'll ever meet. And they really kind of villainized him on that show. And everybody that I'd talked to that watched that season, I was like, he's a great guy. I don't know what that show, why they made him look like such an asshole. Good for you fighting for his character. Yeah. He's a good dude. Uh, prisoners of Ghostland. Uh, this dropped on video on demand. It's uh plot revolves around a notorious criminal hero who is sent to rescue the governor's adopted granddaughter who has disappeared into a dark region called Ghostland. Uh, Prisoners of Ghostland is a neo-noir Western action film directed by Cyan Sono from a script by Aaron Hedry and Riza Sixo Safai. stars Nicolas Cage, Sophia Butella, and Bill Mosley. And uh, I don't have a lot to say about this one other than the fact that I fucking don't understand it and i hate it <laughs> i fucking hated this movie so much this movie is absolute garbage i have no idea what the fuck was going on in this movie it is the most bizarre thing it m- <sighs> i had so much hope for this movie and i thought it was absolute trash it is the highest of tossets for me. I will never watch this again. I will never look back on this movie again. I felt like I was a prisoner of Ghostland. I was a prisoner of watching this movie. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Jake, what'd you think of Prisoners of Ghostland? Oh, man, I loved this movie. This movie was a Tupperware for me. It was like a (laughs) fever dream acid trip of insanity. Oh, my God. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny, just really fucking bizarre and out there. And, I thought it had really great, like, fucking cinematography and just colors. And I was really wild by this movie. I've not been a fan of most of these just out there Nicolas Cage movies. Like, I haven't necessarily hated any of them. But uh, this is easily my favorite of, like, all of those in the last, like, ten years. Yeah, I'll, watch, I, I I'll, I'll watch Mandy any day of the week over this fucking pile of crap. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I mean, different strokes for different folks. But, man, I... I thought this was crazy. I, I I was on the edge of my seat. I mean, we've seen the, you know, we're going to strap bombs to your body and blow you up if you don't do the thing type of motif in so many different movies. So, I mean, that's that's a very overplayed thing. But I thought even that, like, went ways that I didn't expect it to go in this. And, uh, yeah, I thought Nicolas Cage delivered a great performance in this title <laughs> role. And, uh, yeah, I love this fucking thing. I, I, I highly recommend this. Oh, God. Oh, I'm just shocked. Me and Kevin don't always agree on movies, so it'll be interesting to hear what Kevin... I have a feeling Kevin loved this fucking weird fucking movie. Um, I'll just preface this with... I I typically love all of Nick Cage's movies. Um, Face Off, Gone in 60 Seconds, Natural Trail, all the more classic stuff. Yeah. To Mandy, I love the color out of space adaptation. Oh, yeah, so good. I love Willy's Wonderland, even though many people hated that. A pig was a tremendous film. Pig was great. Um, yeah. This one though, I, I I don't know. I don't I I don't know exactly what I watched. 
Yeah. I don't know who the target audience was except for, I mean, Jake loved it. So the target audience was for the two guys that are fucking driving around in that fear and loathing in Las Vegas movie. It's the, (laughs) the target audience is just fucking people like tripping on peyote or something. Yeah. I mean, this, I, my very, I, I was making notes when I was watching this and my, first comments were what the fuck man what the <laughs> fuck am i watching because i don't i didn't i mean it, it it's a film <laughs> that's probably the best thing i could say um i will lo- low taste it i'm not gonna toss it but it's a very very close very very close i mean like uh you're one foot off the edge of a 20th story skyscraper thing um i i <laughs> i kind of lost words the, the movie is about a race guy, driver, race car driver, radioactive guy. I don't know. He has to rescue some woman in under a few days, and he's in this post-apocalyptic world, and that's run by cowboys and samurai or something. Yeah. If he doesn't get back in those few days, the bombs attached to his balls explode. I mean, and if he threatens to like hit. A woman or yeah, something like arm. yeah yeah his nuts will explode. <laughs> I mean, it was a, for me it was a slog to get through. Yeah, I mean, I paused it a few different times. Same. And, um, this just wasn't in the same realm of Nick Cage movie that I normally love. Yeah, um, I, I've I yeah. love Mandy, and then what was that? Uh, uh, Pig was great, and then what, what was that other one you said that I loved? Well, Color Out of Space, so good. Yeah, I'd yeah. put Willy's Wonderland in, into this category of weird Nicolas Cage See, movies. See, because well. I love Willy's Wonderland, loved that one, um, but this one just I just didn't do it for me. And I mean, at the beginning they give him a, not really spoiling it because I think it's in the trailer, but like a '90s esque Toyota Celica to drive. I mean, why in the hell is that still around in this world? Why does he I, ride off on a fucking bicycle? Yeah, it, it's no, a, that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I love the guy who's like, he's so cool. It was, I I think Kevin is 100% right when he said it was a film. And that's how I feel about this. Like, it was a movie. Things happened. It had a beginning. It had an end. And anything else in between, I didn't understand what the fuck was going on in this movie at all. I, I think the bad thing about this, though, is you could tell from the, I was very hyped to see this film. Because it was getting a lot of good word. I mean, there was a lot of hype behind it, I guess. Um, and when you see the movie poster, who does it quote? It quotes Nick Cage on his own movie for his own poster. That it's the wildest movie he's ever made or been involved in. <laughs> when you're, when your amazing. movie poster is quoting the main actor in the movie, it, it's not going to be a good film. Um, and to me, this wasn't. I just, I, it wasn't for me. So I'm glad other people like it because obviously there will be people that love the film. So, um, but definitely not for me. I mean, I, I low taste it, almost, almost toss it, but I, I, I do stick with low taste. I flat out toss this. I, um, I'm just blown away that Jake, that you loved it so fucking much. This is insane to me. This is insanity. I I put our friendship into question. I mean, I just, <laughs> this, a lot of the stuff that you guys are complaining about is really like what I really loved. Like I, the whole "what the fuck is going on" vibe that this movie had was honestly like one of my favorite parts about it. And I, 
I was just belly laughing so much. It just like how just out there a lot of the stuff in this movie was like I, even the title sequence itself had me cracking up when she yells out she's not a prisoner immediately followed by the title sequence saying that yes you are a prisoner i thought that was just hilarious and <laughs> yeah i when they broke out into song with the governor when they were first sending him out to to ghostland i was just it was so bizarre and absurd i just yeah i loved this movie i thought it was gorgeous and ridiculous Ah, I say burn it. Burn it to the ground. <laughs> burn it and never look back. Prisoners of Ghostland, very very divisive movie apparently. <laughs> I think I think more people will hate this movie than like it. Oh, I one hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't I don't think you guys are, are crazy for not liking this movie. Problem is what, what reviews are what is it getting review wise now? I it, mean it, I it had just a, looked it up. It's a sixty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's way higher than I would have guessed. Holy shit. Man. Yeah. What what's the audience? I put it like in the forty. What's the audience though? Let me go. The audience is fewer than fifty ratings, unavailable. Oh uh, really? Huh. Interesting. So no one wants to see it. Hmm. Just the critics. Oh, man. Yeah. Save your money. <laughs> Spend your money. <laughs> now. Now. <laughs> Hold on to your money. All right. Let's talk about uh, Chicago Party Ant on uh, Netflix. This is an animated series. Chicago Party Ant Diane is an idolized troublemaker. With a talent for avoiding adulthood and a soft spot for her soul-searching nephew, it's uh, stars Lauren Ash, Rory O'Malley, and RuPaul. And uh, apparently, I found out this this show is uh, inspired by a Twitter account. So, mm-hmm. this news—I I read this from uh, AV Club. Uh, the Twitter account is Chris Witoski's Chicago Party Ant. Uh, in the bio for this Twitter account, it says, if life gives you lemons, turn that shit into Mike's Hard Lemonade, which was a quote that was used in the first episode. And Netflix has just ordered a 16-episode season of Chicago Party Ant animated series created by Witoski, John Barinholtz, and Katie Rich. The premise of the Twitter account is that Chicago Party Ant is a woman who lives in Chicago and likes to drink, eat Italian beef sandwiches, and talk about the bleachers at Wrigley Field. And the TV show will expand that into a whole neighborhood of wacky Chicago types. And, uh, yeah, uh, this uh, first episode, I just watched the first episode. And my God, do they just, it's just like, uh, they're throwing out every fucking Chicago thing they can. Everything Chicago they can. The, the accent, um, calling people, pizza, the pizza, calling people, every sports team, (laughs) calling people jag bags, um, (laughs) which is a very, I, I actually, I was, I was on a Chicago Bulls message board and, uh, one of the guys was, uh, was you know Bulls fan. He was also uh, um, uh, a Chicago White Sox fan. Every time he'd get pissed off at somebody, he'd call him a jag bag. And <laughs> so, it's awesome. And anyway, and then Scottie Pippen shows up in the first uh, <laughs> episode. I, I, so many different animated shows coming out these days. They really have to do something amazing to stand out to me anymore. And, uh, this is not on the level of a Rick and Morty. And I'm not talking about this recent season. I've been, I haven't even finished 
this, uh, I think it's the fifth season of Rick and Morty. I have been let down by Rick and Morty this season. It is not good. Uh, first season of Rick and Morty I've never really enjoyed. I, there's like two episodes that I thought were amazing. I'm just, I actually get, Jake, I'm getting pissed at Marvel for taking all the writers. I'm not even lying. It's fucking, it's a detriment to my Rick and Morty with Marvel. <laughs> I'm not even fucking kidding. Marvel, I, and they've been taking jabs at Marvel this season on Rick and Morty. And I think it's because they're losing writers to fucking Marvel. Yeah, they must be better. They I mean, must be. I love what they're doing over at Marvel, but I don't like it at the detriment to my fucking Rick and Morty because I love Rick and Morty and they're fucking my Rick and Morty. Yeah, I would completely kick Rick and Morty to the curb for another great season of Loki. Oh, I know. You don't even fucking watch Rick and Morty. <laughs> you don't even fucking watch Rick and Morty. You've watched a, you've watched a handful of episodes and you act like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. It's a, Rick and Morty is fucking next level adult animated entertainment. You're fucking, but you, you fucking Tupperware go, prisoners of ghost fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you, <laughs> Jake, you're walking a very, very, th- you're walking on thin ice with me this episode, sir. Um, <laughs> no, I don't like, I don't, yeah. Anyway, back to the sh- Chicago party ant is a very low taste for me after the first episode. I, maybe you guys watch more. Maybe you guys know it, know better, but it's just like, okay, let's just throw out all the Chicago jokes and uh, she's crude and rude and blah, blah, blah. I was just underwhelmed with this show. Um, and it ends with uh, her nephew going to live with, which was the dumbest fucking, like, what? why in the fuck is the mother coming to that conclusion that it'd be a good idea for her son to live with her fucked up aunt? It was the dumbest. Yeah, that just got him drunk. Yeah. Same episode. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Just as, I mean, what? And, but uh, this shit gets fucking greenlit on Netflix, but they cancel that fucking uh, Jake Johnson animated show. What was that thing called? Anybody watch that? that was it that mm. Hoops show? Hoops. That was an amazing show. See, I hated that as well. You're fucking out of your goddamn mind. Hoops is a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're on my shit list too now, Kevin. <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Kevin says sweet. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of uh, Chicago Party Ant? Okay, this should have stayed a Twitter account. I mean, this should have just 100% keep it on Twitter and not on Netflix. Um, I did watch two and a half episodes of this. <laughs> I um, love the half. I, give, I love the half. I will the give, half says everything. Yes, it does, because I will give anything three episodes. I watch three episodes of anything. It could be complete shit and I will watch it. Yeah. This one I turned off after two, that two and a half episodes. Um, the funniest thing that happened was a joke about Indiana, of all things. Oh, and yeah. the the humor was, I mean, it's Chicago. You already said Chicago cliche after cliche after cliche. Yeah, Bears God jokes, damn. Cubs mentions, oh, here's George a, Bulls jokes. Mike Ditka. Let's there. talk. It was, oh, Buttkiss. It was Buttkiss, right? Yeah, Buttkiss. Yeah. Um, north side, south side jokes. Jim Belushi's all over this. Oh, I mean, yeah. They play. I mean, Sticks makes an appearance. Uh, I mean, they. <laughs> They play that damn Fratelli song that they do with the Blackhawks stuff. Um, oh, God. I bet, I bet by fucking episode five, she lost her virginity at Wrigley Field. You know, it's like, fuck off. We get it. Chicago, I mean, Chicago, Chicago. If you're from Chicago, it might be. I think it'd be offensive if you're from Chicago. I agree. I agree. And the closer I mean, you are to me, Chicago, the worse it would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm 
I mean, you guys are in Midwest. I'm in the Midwest. I, 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 I've been here all my life. I, I couldn't get into it. So, I mean, I completely tossed this. I mean, it yeah. should have, like I said before, it should have stayed a Twitter account. Yeah. I have no idea how stuff like this gets greenlit. You already said, well, I, things, we, other things get canceled. Well, I mean, Zola, how, Zola, that whole movie was based on that Twitter thread and that was an oh, amazing that, movie. That was good. Yeah. I mean, that was good. And, and, and no, I think, I think, I honestly think that they're just like, Hollywood has run out of so many ideas that they're fucking, they're, they're combing the internet and Twitter accounts now for fucking shows. Yeah. I, I, it, it just so, and you, I think you already said, I mean, there's so much animation out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That things have to be really, really good to stand out or they have to be really, really bad to stand out too. And this is on that side of really, really bad to me to stand out. I mean, I, I would never watch this again. I would never subject anyone to watching this. I mean, I, it's just not funny. I mean, again, cliche after cliche. I mean, and they yeah. pulled sticks out of all things. So I mean, once you, when you, once you start pulling sticks out of things, I mean, and putting them in the shows, as a joke, um, you've you've run out of your humor. There's there's nothing to be found. And now Jake gives it the Tupperware. Go for it, Jake. <laughs> no, I'm actually tossing this myself. Um, I, everything was unremarkable. Unremarkable about this. The animation was subpar. The voice cast was subpar. Um, all the Chicago references were almost cringeworthy. It was so bad. Um, I watched two episodes. I laughed exactly one time. And it was at the uh, play Tippin' with Pippin' joke. Actually got a chuckle out of me. And other than that, this show was extremely either boring or cringy. And I will never watch another episode of this again. So, yeah, this is pretty terrible. They even fucked up the Pippin' joke because he was notoriously, notoriously known around, from what I heard, and this might just be a rumor, but I heard rumors that he would not tip well when he went to restaurants and they called him no tip and Pippin and that's where it came from. And then they just changed the joke to a dick joke and just the tip and Pippin or whatever. Oh, okay. See, I had no history with the, uh, the actual reference to that. So yeah. it could have just been another cringy joke if I would have known that. I worked in a call center once, Jake, where, uh, where, where Scotty Pippin's brother called in and everybody crowded around this one person talking to Scotty Pippin's brother. Like it was the biggest thing ever. <laughs> it's not oh, even scotty pippen it's his brother yeah you think he uses that all the time to get like good parking and oh good you bet seats? oh you fucking bet he does well, wouldn't you i would i mean no God. i would never abuse that kind of power Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> jake, would be, jake would be like i'm scotty pippen's brother <laughs> Better parking. Man. Shame on you all. <laughs> Jake's, you would use it all the time, Jake. You would, <laughs> if we went to fucking Great America, you would be using that shit to cut into lines and everything. Jake's guy, he's, Jake's like, I got my own fucking flash pass. I'm Scotty yeah. Pippen's brother. Scotty Pippen's brother, make way. <laughs> showing, showing wedding pictures. <laughs> yeah. I'm here with Horace Grant's cousin. <laughs> Jake's like, I've rode the Screaming Eagle five times today. Just being Scotty Pippen's brother. Run this shit backwards. I demand it. I'm Scotty Pippen's brother. <laughs> Jake's just taking a shit in the middle of great America. <laughs> I'm Scotty Pippen's brother. <laughs> Give me some TP. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, uh, this was terrible. Though. It was crap. 
Cry Macho. It's dropped on HBO Max. It's also in theaters. I was going to go see it in the theater, just didn't have time. So I did, I watched it, uh, I watched it on HBO Max today, actually. One, uh, a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder in, uh, 1979 takes a job from an ex-boss to bring the man's young son home and away from his alcoholic mom. Crossing rural Mexico on their way back to Texas, the unlikely pair faces an unexpectedly challenging journey, during which the world-weary horseman may find his own sense of redemption through teaching the boy what it means to be a good man. Uh, it's a Western drama film directed and produced by Clint Eastwood, adapted by Nick Shank, and it's based on the 1975 novel of the same name by N. Richard Nash. It stars Clint Eastwood, Dwight Yoakam... And some other fucking people. And uh, just a reminder uh, that uh, Clint Eastwood needs to retire. God damn. Oh, dear Lord, yes. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. This movie was fucking terrible. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Like, it was, it's bad. I mean, it just, it looked like Clint Eastwood, he's, he's like 91 now. And it's just like. I, this movie made me tired just watching him try to, to, to keep up and, and, oh my God, it was very, very, uh, tough watch, uh, for yeah. me. He's too old for romance storylines too. That was creeping me out as well. Everybody wanted to fuck him in this movie too. Like you had yeah. that fuck, the, the woman that the kid's mom wanted to fuck him in the bedroom. He's fucking 90, lady. Jesus Christ. He's fucking ninety, and you're wanting to fucking uh, seduce this the, your grandpa. I didn't. That was fucked up. And then later on, that fucking woman in the in the in the town in Mexico, she's wanting to jump his old fucking bones. I guarantee, like the fucking audio department had the hardest time of like editing out all the sounds of like his creaky old bones throughout this entire movie. <laughs> 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 it's just sounding like that he, makes, thinking about how much how hard that work does actually makes me raise my rating. <laughs> oh, God, I just think I just want to take one of those fucking tin man oil cans and just like spray down his joints with it. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it was hard. It was hard. It's like I love Clint Eastwood too. I love Clint Eastwood. I'm talking. No, about, he's made some great fucking movies. Go back and watch all the old Clint Eastwood shit, man. I love the spaghetti westerns. Even, even 20 years ago, there was some good yeah. Stuff like Mystic River is so fucking. Well, fucking, I think the last good movie I saw him in was uh, Gran Torino. I love Gran Torino. Yeah, yeah. That was like thir 12, 13 years ago. Yeah, yeah. He's fucking like 80. He's fucking like 90. Get this. Uh, Clint, <laughs> take a fucking nap, dude. Like that nap that he has, that siesta he takes in that restaurant, I think that was real. I think they were just like, Clint needs that was, a... That was an ad lib. That was an ad lib. He, like, he's just like, Clint needed a fucking nap. So they're I'm just... Tired. Like, <laughs> All right, keep filming. This is, it's part of, it's part of the movie you, now. Clint? <laughs> <laughs> he was just tired. Wait, guys, he's really going to sleep. And are we really, <laughs> are we really following around a boy and supposed to like love this boy who fucking when we first get introduced to him is involved in cockfights? That's like, that's like fucking our main character is Michael Vick and we're watching him fucking, you know, with these dog fights and shit. I just, I have, it I'm built up way too much like. Before we ever meet this character, they make him like such a badass. Like what what everyone is saying about him. Like I thought it was 
like the actor did not deliver on the descriptions that were happening about this character. Oh, his mother said, this boy is wild. Yeah. This boy is wild. Yeah, I, I yeah, tossed He looked like movie. a Disney Channel original TV show character. He did. He looked like he was on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> yeah that, they really oversold what a fucking Billy Badass tough motherfucker this kid was going to be. Yeah, yeah. I, there's that part where he's like in the town and he's like at that girl who's got crushing on him and he's crushing on her and he's holding this fucking chicken and i was hoping he'd say you want you want to rub my cock yeah. <laughs> anyway that i took been the most badass thing he did all that would have been the most badass thing ever in this movie this movie it, it is it is it is uh you basically got a guy who at the beginning of the movie uh dwight yoakam uh says you're you're washed up and i fire you and then it cuts and then dwight yoakam shows up at his house and he's like hey i need you to find my son He's in Mexico and bring him back. You owe me. I'm like, why the fuck did we have this other scene where you fired him? This makes no sense. Now you're, now you're fucking asking this guy to go to Mexico and bring back your son, uh, who you haven't seen in years and, uh, saying that you, that, that he owes you. And it's like, we just got this fucking scene of this guy firing him. It was the dumbest shit. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, I guess I do owe you. And he fucking drives. He's going to kidnap a kid in Mexico and then bring him back to the States for his father. And uh, we got all these. What's his mother involved with? Is she involved with the cartel? What's actually going on there? I feel like it was some kind of like um, prostitute thing going on there, right? Was it? Was it like a... Like her son alludes to that. Like she, yeah. he says some line about her mom and her like sex partners or something. Huh. Yeah, it was a. It was very unclear. Yeah, Kevin, what do you what do you think about Cry Macho? Uh, I didn't watch it, so <laughs> I am one hundred percent happy that I ran out of time. Yeah. to watch it. I got wrapped up in watching another show we were talking about, and um didn't have time and i was gonna actually go to the theater and watch it and this i'm pretty happy yeah i made the, the decision i made because i mean you've already said it i mean clint eastwood needs to retire yeah I he, mean, does. He, he does he does i mean he hasn't made a decent movie in 15 years whatever it's been i didn't like the mule years. i didn't like the mule i didn't no, like oh no no you know, I didn't and, like the mule. I, I thought it, I thought it started out okay, and it just got it just got worse and worse and worse. Like, and I think like for, after Gran Torino for me, I was just kind of like done with his movies. Like, like American Sniper with the fake baby was weird. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I mean, I like I, that was that movie. Okay, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. I like Bradley, I like Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of the other films, I just I, I haven't liked a. a Clint Eastwood film and, and probably a good 10, 15, 20 years outside of Gran Torino. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of American Sniper. But this yeah. one, I am 100% glad I ran out of time. Dwight Yoakam was terrible in this. See, that's the other thing. I was, uh, that's the main reason I wanted to watch it because I'm a huge Dwight Yoakam fan. Oh, he's good in a lot of stuff, but he was not good yeah. in this. 
And then I wondered about that. I was going to ask, like, how how much of a how big of a part did he have in this? It was um, just his, five minutes. Oh, five well, minutes better. at the beginning, five minutes at the end, and he's just his acting is very stiff and wooden. And I usually like Dwight Yoakam um, when I see him act. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was not good. Jake, nope. did I get your thoughts? No, no, yeah, this movie was pretty bad. You, you can kind of tell that's where I'm at. I. Man, I, I want to toss it. I, I guess I'm going to give it the lowest of taste it's. Uh I thought it, w- it was a very pretty movie at times. Um, some things I did enjoy was I did enjoy the main character's relationship with the animals when they were at that holdover town. I kind of liked that storyline that, you know, he necessarily didn't have any training, but these people were so stupid on any animal care whatsoever that just the smallest advice he could give, he was like a fucking animal witch doctor yeah that lady shows up and she says my dog's sick and he's like ma'am this is a fucking pig (laughs) no i'm kidding that never happened (laughs) um but yeah clint eastwood this may be the worst performance i've ever seen him turn in uh the plot is so on the nose there's one point i really belly laughed at where like it's just not subtle at all he like turns to the kid and he's like I'm really starting to warm up to you. It's like, let the movie, let the movie tell us that. I know. Like, you, don't, you don't need to just fucking straight up belt that line out. Like, a good movie, we, like, we would just pick up on that. Like, the relationship started really rocky, but then, like, through a series of encounters and adventures, they've really actually started to like each other. But no, Clint Eastwood just has to straight up say it. And my, I was just... Oh, my boy. favorite part in this movie... Uh, the part that I Tupperware is the part where they get pulled over by the police officers, uh, and, and the, in Mexico, and, uh, they're searching their car for drugs, and the entire time Clint Eastwood is calling these guys fucking assholes. Oh, that like, was he's muttering, and he's calling them fucking assholes to their face the entire time. Even as they're driving off, he's like, fucking assholes, fucking assholes. Just like, I'm just like, this is the best. I just want pissed off old man Clint Eastwood. That's what I want. That was the only tense scene in the entire movie, actually, too, I thought. That was the only time where I was a little bit on the edge of my seat that, like, something may actually fucking happen in this movie. Like, what if they took a car that actually did – that was, like, a fucking car that was used for drugs? Like, what if if that did happen? I I was like, holy shit. And nothing happened. I I thought even, like you said, the way Clint Eastwood was acting towards the cops, maybe one of them would get fucking – you know, itchy finger and, and do something that they shouldn't do. Or just, I, I really thought this movie might like make an interesting turn during this scene, but no, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) And man, like Clint Eastwood has to bet this, this guy's over 90 years old, kid, help him put the stuff back in the car. He shouldn't have to fucking beg for your help. Oh my God. He's get him some water. He's going to die. Oh my God. It was ridiculous. Every woman in this fucking movie wanted to fuck him. Yeah, that was it. Was too much. It was too much. This oh man. The more I talk about this movie, I think I, I think I will toss it. <laughs> I wrote down low taste it, but I felt like you know, like when they started wanting to fuck him, I kept thinking to myself, like, have I gone too far into Pornhub now? You know, like it's that part of Pornhub where you're just like, <laughs> oh fuck, we're here, we're here now. Like I gotta I gotta watch fucking old man McGee. With uh, with bubbles here or whatever the fuck. It was weird. movie had a shitty ending, too. I thought it was a little bit too artsy-vague for my liking. Yeah. I love... Oh, so. God. Yeah, f- this movie was trash. 
Toss it. Um, uh, the Harper House. Who watched any of the Harper House on, uh, was it, was this on, was this on Paramount or Peacock? I can't remember. Paramount. Paramount. <laughs> Paramount Plus. The Harper House. It's a new animated show. Follows an overconfident female head of her household as she struggles to regain a higher status for herself and for her family of oddballs after losing her job and moving from the rich side to the poor side of a small town in Arkansas. And uh, here's the thing with this one. I only watched one episode. I am going to give this the three episodes because I am a huge fan of the creator of this show, Brad Neely. He did uh, China, Illinois on Adult Swim, and I absolutely loved China, Illinois on Adult Swim. Um, I think I like. I think. Uh, I think Hulk Hogan and Macho Man at one time voiced characters on that, and I can't be 100%, 100% certain, but I think they did. But I loved China, Illinois. and um, But I, I wasn't a huge fan of this. I think it is better than um, the Chicago Party Ant, but it's still a pilot, and so I'm going to give it three episodes. I've only watched the first, but it does star Jason Lee as the father um, Tatiana, Masa- Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black plays, uh, Ollie Harper, the 11 year old daughter. Um, but I'll get, you know what? I'll, I'll give this one, I will give it a low, you know, I'll give it a low taste it, but, uh, with the promise that I will watch at least two more episodes because I, I am confident in Brad Neely's animation. It's, uh, I just wasn't the biggest fan of this. So, did anybody else watch any episodes? I watched the first episode as well. What'd you think? Uh, I didn't care for it too much. I thought, I'll give it a low taste it. Um, I liked it more than Chicago Party Ant, that's for sure. In every aspect, I thought it was a better looking show. Definitely a more talented and noticeable voice cast. But again, I just, it didn't really tickle my funny bone very much. I thought... Even more so than Party Ant, though, I thought these were a lot of very extremely unlikable characters. Like, even in this pilot, they didn't do a a very good job of making me actually like or care about any of these characters. They're all just kind of lying dickheads to each other. And, uh, yeah, so it didn't, I really had no motivation to watch anything past the first episode. Um, I know pilots can be can be wonky honestly if brian you come back and say this was a a tupperware after just laying out the foundations of that first episode i I would give it another chance but um i thought the first episode was very lackluster and did not give me much to sink my teeth into to want to come back for more i hate giving it a low taste because i love brad neely i fucking love brad neely i think he's fucking great and i love china illinois but it's a pilot, so I'll give it a couple more. Kevin, did you watch any of the Harper House? Yeah, I watched the first three episodes that were available. Does, um, does it does it get better? Uh, to me, no. Oh um, no! I, I tossed it after three. Wow. Um, I laughed a singular time out of those three episodes. Wow! And it was at the name of the grandpa's awning awning store. Um, so it wasn't even an actual joke that they were making. Yeah, something in the background. And, um, yeah, it, it just didn't, as Jake said, it just didn't like hit that funny factor there. I mean, it just wasn't funny to me. Yeah. I mean, the jokes they were making weren't funny. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of that sort of animation either. 
Um, but again, it's got to stand out. And there's, I mean, a- these animated comedy, 20, 25, 30 minute comedy episodes are a dime a dozen these days. It seems there's so many out there and this one just didn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I would, I would toss this after three episodes. <clears throat> I, I personally would not ever watch another episode of, of this again. I'll give it one more. <laughs> I love, uh, I know I keep saying this. I keep, <laughs> you're torn. I know. Cause I love Brad Neely, dude. I was, I, think, a, I was a huge I think, fan of China, Illinois. Like, like I, I still go back to adult swim and watch old episodes of China, Illinois. So I love that show. I think Jake, you're correct. 100%. These characters are so unlikable. I mean, they're just dicks. Well, I mean, think about, like, that works sometimes. Like, uh, a, a lot so of characters right. on China, Illinois were unlikable. Uh, pretty much every character in, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is an unlikable character that you learn to love in a weird way. It can work if you do it right. I agree. I agree. Well, yeah. Sometimes yeah. that formula does work. Look but. at Seinfeld. I think Seinfeld was one of the first shows to ever do it. I agree with that. That's true. It curbs the same way, but I mean, it's kind of, it's a delicate, it's a delicate thing. And same thing with like a lot of characters from Arrested Development. Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, that works, I think better to me, that works better in live live action. action. Okay. I agree with that as well. Animation. I I just, I just don't get it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, but I think that's part of it for me. I just could not get behind any of these characters. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get I was it. At, I was at one point mad at a character. It was when the uh, the friend of the mom was drinking and on the phone when she was supposed to be saving the dog's life. I thought that was yes. such a terrible joke. Yes, exactly. Just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's jump into yeah. That's the Harper House. Can we do a, can we do a break? I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew, it. Kevin. I won our bet, dude. You owe me ten bucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did a Red Bull. I, 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 I've been dancing the last two episodes, the last two reviews. I'm not going to lie. I was more energetic than fucking Clint Eastwood during the entire Cry Macho movie. Oh, right man. You, you are not macho, sir. No, I just, I had more movement is all I'm saying. Hold that piss. Spoilers. The, the, the rooster is, the, 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 the rooster's named Macho. Spoilers. I spoiled the whole movie for everybody, Jake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the rooster was the most badass. Yeah, the rooster's name is Macho. Yeah. He earns that name, too. The the rooster's the best character in the whole movie. (laughs) The rooster that they were cockfighting with? Yeah. Yes. He's the best character. He has the the biggest arc and the most impact on the story, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad I missed that. The best actor in that whole movie was the fucking rooster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I agree. All right. Jake, we're going to take a break for you, buddy. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back. Fucking old school. Damn, these beats are so fresh. Snap. <laughs> All right, hey, we're back. Uh, real quick, Jake, we were talking a little bit. I want to let everybody know that. Uh, I am, uh, through the first five episodes of Heels on Stars. I love that it's the Stephen Amell wrestling show on Stars. It, it's a Tupperware. Like the, f- the last three episodes have just been fucking incredible. Stephen Amell puts on a great performance the last episode. Last episode was amazing. I cannot wait 
for the next one. And uh, the showrunner, Mike O'Malley, um, after every episode comes out on Sunday, there's been a couple where he's like, he, he responded to one of my posts and he said, thank you. And then last week I posted about how much I loved uh, episode five titled Swerve. I loved it so much. It's one of the best episodes of TV I've seen all year. And uh, he followed us on Twitter, Michael Malley. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, Michael Malley was the one of the stars of that show Yes Dear. He hosted Nickelodeon Guts in the nineties and he yes. was an actor on uh Wayne. So yeah, Michael Malley now follows PCL and I am a huge fan of his show, so I'm very happy to tweet at stars that they better fucking renew this shit. And if you're a fan of the show, let fucking stars know. Jake, I am like part of like the stars. Stars sends me, since I'm a star subscriber, they send me these, uh, um, uh, questionnaires that they want me to fill out. And I let them know like what shows they need to keep and what shows that they've canceled that they've really pissed me off. So I, I, I let stars hear about it, man. Good for you to take those surveys seriously. Cause I think, man, those surveys, they take a lot of stock in that kind of shit. Yeah. I think stars wants heels to be a success. I saw you posted on um, our social media that they're even given the first three episodes for free now without even having a star subscription. Yeah. You can watch the first three episodes, I believe on YouTube and on Facebook for free. And so I, 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 you know, do the three episode heels challenge. And I think once you hit, if you're, even if you're not a wrestling fan, maybe after that third episode, it'll hook you like it hooked, hooked me. So. Does it make you want to watch any wrestling at all? Yeah, I've actually been thinking about watching wrestling again, but not like the WWE stuff, but more of the AEW stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, you know, it's for the first time ever, it actually beat the WWE product last week. Well, I think it's like what I like what they're doing from like what I've heard and what I know about AEW is the fact that, you know, a lot of people are jumping ship and going over to AEW because they let the wrestlers do what they want over there. Yes, yes. It's not as controlled. It's 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 a writing team as well, too. It's not just make or break with Vince McMahon, which I think is a lot of the problem with WWE. Yeah. You know, you've got a larger group of people that are a little bit more hipper to, like, today's sensibilities about what's fucking cool to do on this kind of program. So, yeah, it's it's really heating up right now. It, like, just, you know, it's only been out for about two years now. And like I said, just last week in all the major demographics, like the 18 to 49 year old male, it beat the WWE product. So yeah, that's it. I think they're fucking scared. If I do get back into it, uh, I think I'll be watching AEW, if anything. Yeah. But, I love uh, good competition when it comes to that. Like the best era of, of wrestling was when WCW was at the height of their game and both WCW and WWE were just like fighting for wrestlers and storylines. So hopefully uh, something good comes out of this and the WWE product can get a little bit better. Just finally having some, uh, some real competition. No, I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's, it just seems like Vince McMahon, when he sees like these rivals, he just tries to buy them out, you know? Yeah, maybe this will be the final straw where Vince realizes that he's not the creative powerhouse that he used to be, and he he steps down and lets uh, lets some people that are more in the know kind of take the reins. He'll probably hire some Rick and Morty writers. 
Yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> Kick him to the curb. Yeah. And my Rick and Morty season six will just be Rick and Morty going, yeah, It'll just be Dan Harmon in a chair describing what the episode would have yeah. been. Let me show you guys some storyboards of what... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We <laughs> see Dan Harmon in a trailer park sitting on a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bottle of fucking Evan Williams in one hand. And, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Ah, uh, yeah. So, oh, and then uh, Dark Side of the Ring return. I'm, I'm going to be watching the, the new episode of that tomorrow. They did uh, Plane Ride from Hell. It was uh, the, It's on Vice TV, so... I don't even think that you have to be like into uh, wrestling at all to watch uh, Dark Side of the Ring. It's it's kind of like we've seen, like, and I said this on Patreon recently. It's kind of like what we've seen, like, with The Last Dance on Netflix. I think people that aren't even basketball fans really got into that documentary series because uh, it's just it's just sports entertainment is just like it's super in, it's super interesting. There's a lot of drama behind that shit. And, yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of true crime elements too to Dark Side of the Ring. Like I mentioned, yes, yeah. yes, I mentioned that as well. Like if you watch like the Bruiser Brody episode, like this guy gets fucking murdered. So there is a lot of true crime stuff going on in Dark Side of the Ring. Um, highly recommend it. Um, why the Last Man? Uh, no, 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 no. Let before we talk about Why the Last Man, I want to talk about I want to talk about Squid Game. 456 people, this is on Netflix, 456 people who have all struggled financially in life are invited to play a mysterious survival competition named Squid Game, competing in a series of traditional children's games, but with deadly twists. They put their lives at risk to compete for 45.6 billion won, which is the equivalent of 38.5 million U.S. dollars, uh, for which there will be only one winner. It's a South Korean television series. It's written and directed by Hwang Dong Hyuk. The nine, it's a nine episode series. It stars Lee Jung, Lee Jung Ye, uh, Park Hae Soon, and Wee Ha Joon. And also, I wanted to point out that the actor, and you guys, if you guys watched this, um, Jake, did you watch any episodes? Yeah, I saw the first three. First three. Do you remember the, the actor that you see in the first episode at the beginning? He's in the subway and he's having the slap match. He's slapping yes. that one guy. That actor is Gong Yu. And that's the same actor from Train to Busan. He played Siak Wu in Train to Busan, the main actor in Train to Busan. Okay, I thought he looked familiar. Yeah, that's why he looks familiar. Um, uh, Squid Game dropped on Netflix. Uh, I read the premise for this one. It sounded super intriguing. And um, this is the show I could not put down this week. It dropped on Friday. I finished it today. Uh, I could not put this one down. This is an absolute Tupperware. This is actually one of the best shows I have seen this year. I think it is absolutely phenomenal. I love this show. But I want to hear what you guys have to say about this show. I want to hear from Kevin. What do you think about Squid Game? Oh fuck, man! I absolutely love that you love it because I loved it, too. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize it was nine episodes long. I thought it was—I thought it was actual movie to begin with, 
And after I was, after I put the put the first episode on, I was honestly about to check out of the first episode to take a break, and then they start playing the game in that episode, <laughs> and I was involved from that point on. Um, I only I, I started this morning, and I am to halfway through episode seven now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've watched the first seven. I'm going to be watching probably an episode later tonight. Yeah, um, and I I'm going to finish this by tomorrow, and it is a intriguing premise, and it is extremely well done, and I was 100% involved after those events in episode one, and it doesn't let up to me. I mean, to me, this this is a complete Tupperware, um, and I'm right on that same train with you regarding. S- stellar, excellent C- uh, show. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to hear from Jake here in a second, but like y- you have all these different people from um, you know different walks of life, whether it be, <laughs> but they're all struggling financially and they're all in debt, every one of them, and so they have. Some people owe, you know, uh, bookies from their gambling. Some people have made bad investments. Um, some people could be dying and need surgeries and they're just, they've got all this debt. It's just an insane amount of debt. And they are there under the impression that they're going to be pl- competing in these games and the winner is, is going to take home this money. They have no idea that their lives are at stake when they first get involved in this. And they soon find out. And yeah, I'm going to spoil a little bit of the first episode because I want people to watch this one. Um, but, uh, 456 people start a game of red light, green light. These are like, you know, these are childhood games that they're playing. And this first game is red light, green light. And you've got 456 people. And there's this statue of this young girl in front of them. And when, um, when, when it's like red light, green light, when, when, when she, she will turn around and then you'll have to stop. And, um, if you don't stop moving completely when it's a red light snipers start to shoot the people playing that are playing this game and they learn very quickly that it's a game of life and death and there's six games total i'm not going to talk about any more games that happen past this first episode but the first one's red light green light and it is like by the end of this there are just like people that have been slaughtered and this game just opens up. You learn a lot about these characters. Each of them come from different places. Some are weaker than others, but some of them are smarter than others. If they're not physically stronger, they're smarter. And so you never know who's going to be able to help you move on to the next game. You never know if you're going to be an ally of yours is going to be have to be an enemy of yours in the next game. It is it's brutal. It's a an amazing kind of like uh, experiment, like a survival experiment. Um, I was sucked in. I could not. I was like, I was like, I have to finish this. And this is like one um, that I was like, if I don't get a chance to watch Cry Macho today, um, that's fine. I gotta finish Squid Game because I was like sucked in. I, I tupper. That's, 
That's why I didn't watch Cry Machos because I was watching this. I don't blame you. Just wisely. I don't. I don't blame you one bit. I don't blame you one bit. I I love the look of this. You you get into this whole game and you've got um you know the players and then you have these other people that are all wearing masks so they never get to see like who the people are that are running the game um they have playstation button symbols on their faces i know i noticed that too jake <laughs> they don't have the axe but they do have every other button i i noticed that too oh you've seen the whole series so the x never shows up x never shows up yeah but they yeah you have the triangle the circle and the square I loved it. I could not stop watching it. This is the highest Tupperware. It's one of the best shows I've seen all year. And, um, yeah, Kevin, I can't wait for you to finish this one. Jake, uh, you watched three episodes. Your thoughts on Squid Game? Yeah, I'm also going to give it the highest of Tupperwares. Uh, I didn't get a chance to start watching this until this afternoon, and I, I basically watched it up until we started the podcast. Uh, you know, a little bit behind the scenes, Brian said we were going to run a half an hour late, and I, I actually fist-pumped because I looked at the time, and I realized it meant I was going to get a finish episode three. Um, I will be watching episode four at least before I go to bed tonight after we finish this podcast. I'm I'm just so invested and excited to see what's going to happen next. I, this show is so thrilling. I am... Um, you know, Brian talks about what happens in the first episode with that first game, and then something happens where kind of the game comes to a halt. And as an audience member, it made me so mad. Like, I was just so invested in seeing what the next challenge was going to be that I was just like, no, show, no, why would you do this? But it ends up being so brilliant and such a brilliant, like, writing way to show us, like, the motivations and the reasonings behind each of these characters and why they would even participate in something so insane in the first place. And I just thought that second episode, even, like, not really being, like, the game and like the draw of the show was just such a brilliant episode. And it made me even that much more invested when everything started cooking again in, in, in the next episode. So man, the writing is just top notch here. Um, it really has shades of like, uh, not only Stephen King's the running man, but the long walk too, is something I thought about a lot while watching this, that story, uh, especially that red light, green light game and just how brutal it was. Um, yeah, man, I, I can't wait to see how this ends up. I, you know, I kind of thought that they were, they've kind of developed these like clicks that are happening between the surviving players. And I, I wondered if they were going to, uh, make kind of friends fight friends and how fucking dramatic and tense that was going to be when that happened. So, oh man, I'm looking forward to biting my nails when some of these characters that I've already fallen in love with potentially have to kill each other. I mean, God damn, this show is fucking brutal and tense. This is, this is great TV. It's fucking amazing. This is, this is seriously, Squid Game is one of the best shows I've seen all year. Hands down. It is amazing. Everybody should be watching this. And, uh, it has a very satisfying finale. Uh, very satisfying. I cannot wait for you guys to finish this. And, uh, I think like once people get, um, start watching this. I think they're going to get sucked in. I was, I was sold by the first episode. I was like, I, this is, Agreed. I am, I am all in on this show. And, uh, I, I could not put it down. Could not put it down. Every free moment I had, I was watching Squid Game. Finished it this morning. <laughs> He's just, I'm so happy that I did. Cause a lot of, you know, a lot of these shows, like, I wish I had time to come, go back to, but I got to prepare for like the next week's show. And, like, I, I've heard some people say, Brian, have you got back to clickbait? 
and they're like, it, you know, it's really good. Like my mom texted me out of nowhere and said she watched clickbait and loved it. Hopefully I'll get a chance to get back to clickbait. But this is Squid Game is one of those that sucked me in from the first episode, could not put it down, had to keep going with it. It is so good. And every challenge is different. And, and, um, I can't wait for you guys to get to some of these fucking insane challenges. Kevin, you've been there. You're through seven yeah, episodes. I've seen a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they've been, they've been really good. I, I will say really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. The acting is top notch as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Squid Game guys, get on it. On Netflix, it is the highest of Tupperwares. I mean, it is. Can I throw, can I throw out a, a weird prediction that I've had? Okay. Yeah. I feel like contestant number one is running this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I don't know. I just feel like he's in the know. I yeah. just laughed, but I, I have no idea. So yeah. All right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, why the last man. This god damn it! How long have we been hearing about this series? Uh, since this show started podcasting, if well, like. yeah, since it was first. Wasn't it? A, wasn't it like a movie at one time, and now it's a series? I don't know. I think it was a movie at one time, yes. Yeah. Why the Last Man takes place in a post-apocalyptic world where a mysterious cataclysmic event simultaneously killed every mammal with a Y chromosome, but for one man, Yorick Brown, and his pet monkey, Ampersand. The series follows Yorick as he traverses the new world as its survivors struggle with their losses and attempt to restore world society, led by Yorick's mother, who is the new U.S. president, Jennifer Brown. Uh, it's a drama television series developed by Eliza Clark. It's based on the graphic novel series of the same name by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra and, uh, stars Diane Lane, Ashley Romans, Ben Schnetzer, Olivia Thirlby, and Amber Tamblin. And, um, yeah, they dropped three episodes on Hulu. And, uh, I'll say this. I'll say, I mean, the comic is fantastic, but, and this is different. It's never going to live up to the comic, but I think they've done a pretty damn good job with casting here. I, I like this Ben Schnetzer that's playing York Brown. He reminds me of uh, Kit Harrington, but with personality. <laughs> totally. Great comparison. <laughs> I like him. I like him, and I, I think Diane Lane's fantastic. I think that's a good get for this show. Um, I'm three episodes in. I am enjoying the series. Um, I think that uh, Ampersand looks great for being a CG character. Like I was convinced that this was a real monkey at many times. Um, oh, he isn't. No. Yeah. He, I thought he was yeah. Real. He's better than the dogs in Cruella and it's a nice. TV show. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, yeah. They've done a fantastic job with ampersand. Um, CG character. Yeah. They've done a great job. Um, I'm going to get this the highest of taste. It's I, I'm, I'm, I'm sucked in. I, I'm, I, I, I am enjoying this. I will be watching this one hopefully week to week. Hopefully I'll be able to keep up with this one. But three episodes in and I am, I'm digging it. I think it's got, uh, some good drama. I think this is a good one for people to, to watch and hopefully it'll sell some comic book issues as well. So, um, yeah, why the last man? Um, Kevin, uh, how many episodes have you watched and, and thoughts on why the last man? Um, I watched the first three episodes. I have no history 
with this comic. I have not read it. I don't know. I didn't know anything about it until I saw this specific trailer for this series. Um, I'm right there with you, though. I am going to high taste this. Um, and it could very well be a Tupperware at the end of the season series, whatever they're doing here. Um, I, I, I found everything well done. Um, again, with, if, if I had a history with it, it might be a little bit different, but it kind of sounds like since I'm assuming you have the history with it, um, it doesn't sound like it's that. I mean, it's not a terrible adaptation. It's not bad. It's really good. So I 100% high taste it. Love the acting so far. Anything Diane Lane is in, I love. So I mean, yeah. I'm just a big fan of hers anyways. Um, you said Ben Snetcher, whatever his name was that played York. I thought he did very well in that, in that role. Um, so yeah, I, I am liking this a lot. I will 100% continue to watch this. Um, and I loved how the first episode was just a kind of a slow burn build up and then boom stuff started happening. Um, yeah, and I, I absolutely loved how that was done Yeah, uh, because me knowing not exactly how this is going to go down other than kind of the, just the general synopsis. Um, I, I really did like how they portrayed that in the, in the first episode. So yeah, we're living in a post-apocalyptic world here where every man on the planet is dead except for Yorick and his pet monkey. That's it. Every other fucking mammal with a Y chromosome is is gone. You basically see him bleed out and die. And yeah. I'm assuming that we're going to explore why it's just him. He's the only, he's the last man. I mean, that's, I'm assuming so. Yeah. It's never really the biggest focus. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the, um, like with the walking dead, as far as like, you know, we never know why the, um, the apocalypse started yeah. or whatever. But Eliza Clark, the showrunner, um, is wanting to do, I think she said five seasons. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, what'd you think about this? Yeah, I loved it. I'm right there in lockstep with you guys. It's the highest of taste. It's for me as well. Um, I have read the comics. I thought this was a very interesting adaptation. Um, I like that they, um, obviously the comic it came out quite a while ago, early 2000s, I think, like 2001 or 2002 maybe. Yeah. Um, and I like how they've taken a lot of like, they've really moved it into 2021. Like a lot of the stuff going on in the background and a lot of things that people are worried about and like the different political factions definitely draw very much, I think from today's climate. And I thought that was a really interesting take on the story. It was a good update. Good update. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had to do that. I I, I think if they would have tried to do a direct adaptation and described the political figures, the way they were in the comics and their main concerns, I I think people would have saw through that and it would have came off as phony. So I I think they did the smart thing and kind of adapted it the way they did. And I I give them lots of props for that. I, I just, just a wonderful array of supporting characters here. All very interesting characters i agree all the main leads are really good but man i love like agent 355 who was like the president's like right hand woman like she's such an interesting fantastic character i I think the kimberly character who is like you know the daughter of the previous president is also another really fascinating character with lots of interesting motivations um and yeah i thought 
I thought the first episode was gangbusters. I thought the second episode was a little bit slower than the first. And then I thought the, the third episode, really, you can see how this show can really fire on all cylinders and just be a, a fucking awesome show. I love that they have a vision, that they know how many seasons the thing's going to be. It gives me a lot more confidence and just like any kind of season end cliffhangers they're going to do or just any notion of them like stretching out the story based on the popularity of the show if it's like this giant smash hit they're they're just committed to telling the story they know how long it's going to take hopefully they don't let anything else divert from what they kind of already think they're going to do so yeah uh, this is a show this is appointment tv for me I'll, i'll be watching this every week yeah, it's like, uh, hopefully it won't get canceled, especially since Hulu raised their fucking prices starting next month. Oh, I did not realize <laughs> I that. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Is that like a buck? Oh, it's going up a buck? Yeah, I think it went up a dollar for me. Yeah. Yeah, I better fucking keep this show around. It's FX on Hulu. So, what does FX on Hulu mean? Does it mean that uh, it originally airs on FX? Exclusive rights to stream FX shows. I believe this show still premieres on FX. Well, what about what about uh, the fucking uh, uh, Alex Garland show that yeah, that with Nick Offerman? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Wasn't that uh, that was FX on Hulu? But I feel like it was not on FX. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't know that. I swear. What was that? Oh, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, Devs. Hold on. Oh, I remember that. I watched, I think, two was, episodes and. Was devs on FX? F- only on it's, Hulu. It's, oh, really? FX it says is it was an FX limited series. It says FX is devs only on Hulu. All episodes now streaming. FX series exclude. Yeah. Groundbreaking FX series exclusively on Hulu. Hmm, crazy. Okay. I don't well, know. That's that's such a weird thing. Like, it is. It makes no sense. There is a channel, a cable channel called FX, but there's also this thing called FX on Hulu, and they have exclusives. And I'm just that's the one thing that I'm confused about with why the last man because it's called FX on Hulu. Is this an FX on Hulu exclusive, Jake? It's we're getting into weird territory here. Yeah, that's so weird. Like I don't think of FX as such strong branding that it make like it makes me desire to want to watch a show more because oh my god, it's FX on Hulu. I wasn't going to check it out previously. But it's FX on Hulu, and that's such strong branding. I have to check this show out, no matter what it is. Yeah, that's bizarre to me. I went to the devs panel at C2E2 uh, a few years ago, and Alex Gar- Alex Garland was there. Oh, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> it was fucking dope, dude. Yeah, I love him. Ex Machina is one of my favorite movies. What's he doing next? Oh, Alex Garland? He's involved in something. I know he is. He said his next project, Men, with A24 and his tap Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear to star. This is his first film since directing the Paramount thriller Annihilation. What's it called? Men. Men? Yes. Oh, yeah, Men. Upcoming film on Wikipedia. I wonder what information... The film follows a young woman who goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside after the death of her ex-husband. Oh, that sounds Whew. riveting. Woohoo! Jake, you gave me chills, oh, sir. I know. <laughs> right 
<laughs> I love Jesse Buckley though. I'm a big fan of Jesse Buckley from Taboo. Um, so I mean, it's Alex Garland, so it makes me want to see it, but it's not FX on Hulu, so it's not a must see. <laughs> it's not FX on Hulu. <laughs> Doesn't have that pedigree. Yeah, I'm on Wikipedia right now, Jake, and it's called a horror drama film. And if you if you put your cursor over drama film, the picture that pops up is Gone with the Wind. That is that is Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia. When they think of a drama movie, they think of uh, Clark Gable and Vivian Leigh in Gone with the Wind. Sure, they're not wrong, I guess, but maybe they could update that. I don't know. I mean, how long? That, that's like four hours fucking long, that movie. Gone with the Wind. Yeah, yeah Gone with Your cold. Day when you watch that movie. <clears throat> oh, Jake. <laughs> it, no, it is. It's a, it's a long fucking. Uh, I would like to see Gone with the Wind in 60 seconds with Nick Cage. Oh, yeah. I would watch that. Yeah. Anyway, that was Better dumb. Better movie than Prisoners of the Ghostland. Prisoners of Ghostland. Oh my god, what a turd! <laughs> what a turd! No comment. <laughs> oh, we heard. We heard from you, sir. <laughs> I know Gone with the Wind has its problems. It was made in 1936 or whatever. But my god, that scene! That scene where he hasn't buried his daughter yet and he's crying. <laughs> Oh my god, I fucking, I bawled, Kevin. Hey, I, I, I like the movie. I do too. I mean, I it's a classic. It is a classic. classic. Oh my god. And it's damn near 90 years old, whatever, so. No shit. Yeah, I know. God damn. It's four fucking hours. It's four fucking hours, man, but. True. Yeah, I can't always, like, I can't always make the time to watch Gone with the Wind, Jake. I can't ever make the time. You've never seen Gone with the Wind? No, I have seen it, which is I it's I was going to say is this a Top Gun movie for you? I mean, No, no, a, I've seen it. I've seen it a couple you times. You have this a classic movie. Is this no. is this your Brian's Mighty Ducks, Jake? No, it's not. It's not. I, I, to me the best thing about Gone with the Wind is the the famous Max Max Steiner music and other than that I really have no love for this movie. Really? Oh my god. Yeah, it doesn't do much for me. Oh, yeah, that's crazy to me. But you love Prisoners of Ghostland. What is, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what is, Jake, there's something, something wrong. Kevin, I think we need to, I think, I think we need to have a serious talk with Jake. I'm worried about his health. Listen, we all have, we all have our, our crutches when it comes to films and stuff. I just, you know, I don't know. Gone with the Wind has never been anything that's really done much for me. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it's a, Okay, I'm gonna shut up. I'm gonna shut up. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> scenes from a marriage. Who got a chance to watch scenes from a marriage on uh, HBO? I did. Yeah, an adaptation of the 1970s Swedish miniseries focusing on contemporary American couples. How many have seen the 1970s Swedish miniseries? I have oh, not. I have not either. Ah, me either. Uh, it reexamines the original iconic depiction of love, hatred. Do you think Johannes has watched the 1970s Swedish miniseries? Um, better chance than than we have, yes, but also probably not. If you're if you're new to the podcast, we have a listener named Johannes from Sweden. Maybe he's watched the 1970s Swedish adaptation, the original. I don't, I don't, Jake, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was going with it. I thought it was good stuff. <laughs> no, I just keep like uh, lowering my voice and raising it like that. Oh, oh, I got you. And I don't yeah, know what's going on. Was odd. Yeah, it was uh, here. Here I am. Now I'm here. One one moment I'm here. Now ah, it was just the weirdest cadence slash yeah. Uh, it reexamines the original iconic depiction of love, hatred, desire, monogamy, marriage, and divorce through the lens of a contemporary American couple played by Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Also stars uh, Corey Stoll and Nicole Bahari. And uh, I'm going to say this. It's very well acted. And... It's very well acted. Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain, Corey Stoll, Nicole Bahari, they're all good. It's very well acted. Couples going through, you know, uh, things in their, in their marriages. You've got a, is it polyamorous? Is that what they're called, Jake? Where they, they're like, they're, they're a married couple, but then they can also bring in other people into the relationship and shit. Correct. Corey Stoll and Nicole Bahari, their, their relationship, they're polyamorous, so, uh, I guess Nicole Bahari's character's boyfriend broke up with her and like Corey Stoll is kind of upset with her about being so upset about that relationship ending. So you've got that polyamorous couple and then Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain, they've got problems in their marriage as far as, you know, she's, she just got pregnant and, and it sounds like she she's she's wanting to get a, an abortion, and it looks like he's kind of like having, um, you know, second thoughts about her having the abortion. It's causing problems in their marriage. Um, I think it's really well acted, and I think it's diving into like some very like heavy issues. But my God, it's a it's a fucking downer, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I, I think I'm out. I don't, I will give it a taste it, but I will give like the acting and everything else. like, it's like a Tupperware, but like, as far as like my enjoyment of the show, it's not like you get done with the first episodes of scenes of marriage and you're like, Oh fuck. If the second of episode is available, I'd watch it now. That was, wow. If if the news was available, I'd use it now. God, it was, it was, it was depressing. It was heavy. And, uh, I don't know if I'd ever be in the mood or ready to watch scenes from a marriage. Um, so I'll, I'll give it a taste it. And that's being very generous with, uh, and it's just for like, you know, you're talking to a guy. I enjoy, I enjoy watching like the Marvel movies and shit. And I do, I enjoy my heavy shit. You know, I watch some heavy shit. I'll watch like an A24 movie. I'll watch some heavy shit, you know, um, but man, it's just the theme, though. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exhausting. That first episode was exhausting. I felt like I was like Clint Eastwood, wanting to take a nap after that first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I needed a goddamn siesta after that episode. I'll give it a taste. I think it's Tupperware on the acting. I think it's very well written. I think like what they're tackling here is very interesting and a very bold series. Uh, but, uh, not, uh, not light as far as like, uh, yeah, you gotta, I gotta, I don't know if I'd ever be in the correct headspace to watch this. Like, oh, now I'm ready to watch scenes from a marriage. I don't know, Jake, this just is not my kind of, uh, you know, 
I don't know if I need this show right now. I don't need this show right now. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me let me jump in here because my only note for this show is basically lockstep with you. Incredible acting, but not for me. Um, and yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain, they're they're phenomenal in this. The the performance is is so good. But yeah, this, this show is a gut punch, and I it's just not for me. I'm not going to watch another episode. But someone would like this show. I'm sure there's an audience for it. But man, yeah, it's just. It's hard to watch. Like it's Oscar Isaac's character. He's either in denial or completely unaware that there's any problem in this marriage. And then you kind of get from the very opening that Je- Jessica Chastain's character already knows that there's issues, but she's just either afraid to bring them up or, or just maybe a little bit in denial herself. And you just kind of watch this thing crumble apart in, in, in the case of an hour and, yeah, it's 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 a kick in the balls and it's a gut punch. And um, while it's really well performed, it's the the subject matter is not something that uh, that I need to see continue. I, I don't I don't see a happy ending coming. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Kevin, yeah, I, I, you guys already said it. I mean this this first episode was a difficult watch for me. Uh, I don't ever want to see a marriage deteriorating in real life. I mean, this, I know it happens and things happen, but this is what this is. Uh, psychologically tense in some parts. It stressed me the fuck out in some other parts. It was very uncomfortable in other parts. Um, I did look up the original cause I didn't realize it was made was as an adaptation of that 73 series or whatever. And down to the title of the episode and the exact plot, it seems mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's an exact adaptation so far. Um, and I, I'm, it's well acted. I mean, it's it's Oscar Isaac Jessica Chastain. Yeah, I, you're not going to get shit from them. I mean, at least most times you're not going to get shit from them in this sort of film. But I'm never going to return. I, to I this. almost brought up Apocalypse. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I. I I'll never return to this. I mean, there's so much other good shit out there to be watching than watching a marriage fall apart on TV and just just so stuff to stretch you the hell out. Um, and I don't see the appeal here for this sort of series. I mean, we already live in a world of shit. I mean, all you got to do is look around you. I mean, there's just so much shit out there. Um, so why do I want to watch a TV series and feel even worse than what I do in real life? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I complete low taste it. If it wasn't for the acting, it would be a complete toss it. Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, low taste it. I will never, ever, ever watch a, another episode of this. And I did go back again and kind of look to see what happened in the original series. And there's a lot of fucked up shit that happens. Yeah. I don't need it. I don't need it. I, I, HBO's been killing it, man, too. I mean, uh, Mayor of Easttown was amazing. Um, the, the Mark Ruffalo show where yeah. he played the two brothers. I can't, can't, name's not coming to me right now. That was fucking fantastic. I just can't watch any more scenes from a marriage. Um, no, and I, I agree with you that if the second episode would have been available, I still wouldn't have watched it. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I would not have even attempted to watch that one. No. Oh, God, no. Absolutely not. Um, I'm not going to talk about this next one. Uh, 
long at all. It was, I was kind of bored. It was a, like a 23 minute short on my, it's uh, on Netflix. My heroes were cowboys. Um, Robin Wiltshire, an immigrant inspired by the iconography of the Hollywood Western finds meaning and redemption through the art of horse training. It's fine. I was just kind of bored with it. I don't know. Yeah, it, it kind of touches on interesting subjects, but never really spends any time on them. Yeah. And so, like, it, like, almost, like, talks about things I'd be interested in, but never really quite gets there. Like, I, I thought it was interesting thinking about how science fiction movies kind of eradicated the Western movies, but it's just kind of a throwaway sentence, and then we move on to the next thing. And- yeah. Yeah, Star Wars came along, and then, they, like, that, you know, that's when they stopped making Western movies, you know, and... Yeah. I thought his grandfather's life seemed really interesting, but it's, again, it's just kind of two, three sentences, and then we're on to the next thing. Yeah. I was bored. My heroes. Yeah, for, it was yeah. 22 minutes, and it felt like, felt like an hour. <laughs> what did you think, Kevin? I mean, I, I personally, I would, I thought it was a beautiful story. I mean, and he devoted his entire life to the well-being of horses and all that nice stuff. And, I mean, I, I would have probably watched another hour of it. I mean, if it was another hour, if it was a little, I mean, could get a little bit more in depth. But I mean, as you guys already said, it's kind of just mentioned some things and then moved on. It was only 22, 23 minutes long. Um, I'll just, I would just give it a taste it. I mean, it is what it is. Um, but if there was another hour or so available, I probably would go, I would get around to watching it eventually. But outside of that, it is what it is. I mean, you know, I watched this right after Cry Macho, and I think that affected my enjoyment of it, too. <laughs> I was just kind of over that scene. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was beautifully shot, though. I will say that. I mean, those some of those, the shots of the, like, the landscapes and, and everything, I thought that was real well done in this doc. But, I mean, again, it's only a few minutes here and there. I thought it was really pretentious that it was advertised as a Netflix documentary too. I I, I feel like you have to be at least longer than thirty minutes to be a documentary. It wasn't. Yeah, it was. It was like twenty three minutes. <laughs> Netflix seemed really proud to have that branding on it, and I thought that seemed really weird. Oh my god! Yeah, I was bored. Yeah. They would say some interesting stuff, but you're absolutely right, Jake. Like they didn't expound upon it. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, that that's interesting how that went down, but. We don't have time for that. Yeah, it's like listening to somebody, you know, listening to like, you know, you're 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 dating somebody and they're telling you about like this blowjob they're going to give you, but you never get it. <laughs> <laughs> you're just hearing about how amazing it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, that it's not good. I think I disagree with Kevin though. I think if this had another hour attached to it, I would not have wanted to watch it. No, you no, just, well, you just got done like, watching. You yeah. just got watch, you got done watching Cry Macho. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> of course, I, I, I'm being completely transparent. That definitely affected me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I put it on the list, but I didn't watch any episodes, and I told Jake not to watch any. But Kevin, like, as soon as I took it off the list, you were like, "I already watched three episodes," and I'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the. <laughs> The new He-Man and the Masters of the Universe cartoon. I didn't know it was for like little, 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 little kids. Yeah. And, uh, I'm guessing you watched three episodes. I'm guessing you love this fucking thing. I eventually watched seven episodes. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I actually, when you messaged me and said not to bother with watching it, and I, I, 
and I did respond with, hey, I think I already watched three episodes. I did go on and watch seven. And, I mean, it's an interesting take on the He-Man and Masters of the Universe mythology. I mean, the it's anime-inspired for sure. I mean, some of the animation and um, some of the things that happen in it. Uh, but it is 100% geared towards little, little kids. I mean, yeah. it's TVY7 rated. Um, that's as soon as a, I saw that pop up on my screen, I'm like, oh, that, I, that's when I sent the message that we don't need to watch this. <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's a reimagining of a story. Like, mean, all it, of the characters are I, still there. Yeah, I kept thinking like but, it was going to be like Paw Patrol shit. I'm so sick of seeing. <laughs> I'm so sick of seeing Paw Patrol everywhere. Yeah. I don't even know what the fuck this is. I, you know, it's a, dogs and shit, I guess. And they're part of and like, they're cops and firefighters. Yeah. yeah, and and. I'm just so sick of seeing it all over the goddamn place. Everywhere I fucking go, it's fucking Paw Patrol. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I think, I mean, if, if, <laughs> I'm going to rate this I'm because right I'm going to rate this because I, I think putting it into that context that it's a little kids movie yeah. series, I, I would Tupperware this if I was a little kid. I mean, I, I think it's really well done. The voice casting is done. The voice work is done really well. The animation is really cool because it's done by the same people that did um, uh, uh, b- b- Troll Hunters and Clone Wars. Okay. Um, so it's yeah. got that sort of animation. Um, it's It's got some good, great, really great messages regarding working together and teamwork and all that nice stuff. And, I'm sure Paw Patrol uh, does too. <laughs> <laughs> I am not lying. I I did enjoy this, so it's I would Tupperware it. And I mean, there are power transformation scenes. There are. It's no longer I have the power. It's we have the power essentially as a team. Uh, we are group. Yeah, essentially. I mean, all of the characters are there: He Man, Tila, Evelyn, Battle Cat, Cronus, all of Man at Arms. Fisto. Well, not Fisto. <laughs> I don't know if Fisto in a this show, but. Um, <laughs> Ram Man, Skeletor, but they all have they all have a different twist on them, and um, Skeletor is probably the biggest twist to me. Um, he's uh, Prince Keldor, and he gets transformed eventually into Skeletor, and it's it's his voice actor seems to be channeling Mark Hamill's Joker a lot, um, but uh, it's it's. It's good for a kids show. It's really good. So other, other than that, I mean, most people that are adults are not going to even think twice. You don't watching. have to try to play cool for us, Kevin. You love this fucking I, show. I did love it. There was a line in it. That you don't still have to rings. put the kid glasses on. Yeah. Kevin, <laughs> there was, there was Kevin's like, I learned, a, I learned a lot about teamwork, guys. <laughs> I wrote my favorite line in the series so far is being a champion is about defending those who can't defend themselves. Yeah, silence. I <laughs> no, I, I love that you wrote quotes from this show. I, know. I did. It, 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 I will say, and I, I wrote down this too. <laughs> he painted that on his wall, probably. <laughs> He's got like, yeah. Moments in the action. Honey, we're, take, we're taking down the live, laugh, love. <laughs> there, was, there were some moments in the action and the dialogue that gave me goosebumps. It, it was weird, but it was good. I'm not lying. It's 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 a great TV series for little kids, and if they want to get involved, I mean, because that original Masters of the Universe series is shit. I mean, it is. It is. When you go back that, and watch it now, it's bad. It's complete shit. I don't care who hears that because I mean, a lot of people love it, but it's complete shit. 
I mean, and then the some of the read things and the, the updated things. I mean, the whole revelation thing. A lot of people didn't like that, but I love that too. Yeah, me too. From an adult perspective, um, but this this was, I think, a good series for kids. Highly recommend. It's I interesting that you bring up uh, Mark Hamill. His Joker performance because Mark Hamill plays Skeletor in the other Masters yes. of the Universe. Yeah. Yes, yes, and it it reminds me of that a lot. It reminds me of that a lot. Yeah, I love the voice of Skeletor from Robot Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> Don't know who that is, but they kill it. Yeah, I'm not sure who does the voice of Skeletor. And uh, it might be fucking Seth Green for all I might know. be, might be. It's probably Dax Shepard or some bullshit like that. Yeah, yeah. Or Breckenmeyer. <laughs> He's like, mm. <laughs> I was at, I was at a, uh, I was at a, uh, what was it? What's that show? Fucking, uh, Mansion. What's it? Super Mansion? I can't remember. It's on Crackle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Super Mansion. I was at a Super Mansion pa- panel at C2E2. And I showed up, like, I showed up to the panel late. And I didn't go there for that panel, but I was a fan of the show. But I showed up to it late, and I sat down. And Breck and Meyer kept looking at me the whole time. <laughs> it was how, how dare this motherfucker destroy? It was, but it wasn't like he was. I don't, yeah, it was one of those things where, like, I think in his head he was trying to figure out, like, did this guy show up late, or is this guy just here for the next one? Is he here for the next panel? <laughs> I felt like I was getting judged by Brecken Meyer, Jake. That's awesome. That's worth admission alone. Yeah. Honestly, if he would have fucking called me out, I'd have been like, listen here, motherfucker, I bought that Super Mansion comic book, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. And that's true. I would have been here on time, but... Yeah, I would have been here... <laughs> Tr- truth be told, I was there for the next panel, but I wasn't very... I wasn't upset that I was there for the Super Mansion like you know the latter half of it because i was watching the show and i was a fan chris pine did voice acting on that fucking brian cranston's one of the main characters in that show it's a great fucking it's one of those uh claymation shows you can watch it free on crackle it's really good anyway anybody watch any of uh american rust i watched the first episode did they drop two yes Yeah. yeah i watched the first two Man, this thing's getting shit on on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Do you see that? No. I did not. I'm surprised by that. <laughs> I, I could, I could see. I wonder. I, I could probably guess why. Thirty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I For, could probably guess though. Once you, I mean, yeah. I think it's Mayor of East Town without humor. Uh, a police chief in Southwest Pennsylvania town is forced to decide what he's willing to do to protect the son of the woman he loves. After he's accused of murder. And it stars Jeff Daniels, uh, Maura Tierney, David Alvarez, Bill Camp, a bunch of other fucking people in this fucking thing. Um, I don't hate this show. I think it's pretty damn good. I, I got, I liked it. I'll give it a, uh, I'll give it a taste it verging on a high taste it. I thought it was pretty good. What'd you think, Jake? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought Jeff Daniels put in a really good performance here. Um, I, I was really sympathetic towards his character. I thought the stuff that happened with the woman's son and how you know he had to be the one was really heart wrenching. It really tugged at my strings. And uh, yeah, I 
I'm right there though. It's like a middle of the road tasted. I, I'm also not compelled to feel like I need to watch this every week. Like it wasn't terrible. Yeah. But I'm also not like all I can think about is Squid Game. I really don't care about watching any more of this. Like if the series ends and there's lots of hype for it, which it sounds like there will not be, then I would I would binge it and revisit it. So. Yeah, I'm right there in the middle of the road taste it. If you're a big Jeff Daniels fan, though, you should definitely check it out. It's one of the better things he's done in years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I, I'm right there with both of you. I mean, I taste it. I, I watched the first two episodes. I thought it was well shot, well acted. I did like the writing. I did um, like where the direction that I think it's going. I think I, I really like that. Um I'm going to give it another episode or two before making a decision to continue watching it or not. I want to, uh, I want to continue to watch it because I don't know, like, they're, they're, they've put it out there that we're supposed to believe that the son did the murder of, like, this former police officer. Do you think that he murdered that guy? I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I mean, I, I saw it being compared to Mayor of Easttown, mm. and they were saying Mayor of Easttown without the dry humor that's in that. Right, right. Because right. there's not a lot of humor in this at all. I don't think you're going to get much better than Mayor of Easttown in 2021. No. As I mean, far the as the best like line that I, that I heard in this was someone saying something about J.C. Penny Jesus. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's that's the best thing that I heard in I. Do we know how many episodes this is going to be? Uh, I'm sure it's out there. I don't know I off don't. the top of my head. But no, I I liked it for what it was, and I would continue watching it. I'm not going to tune out yet. Um, um, but Jeff Daniels, yeah, I mean Jake, you said that it's the best uh, thing Jeff, Jeff or yeah Jeff Daniels has done in quite a while. It's eight episodes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll continue to watch. Yeah, thirty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Last time I checked, it was actually uh, at yeah, one time it was twenty five percent, but that was based on sixteen critic reviews. It's gone up a little bit. I don't think it's a twenty five percent. I don't think it's a thirty two percent. I would put it in the in the sixties somewhere. Uh, personally, I think it, I think it still should be a fresh rating at, at sixty sixty five somewhere around there, but. I definitely don't think it's a uh, rotten rating at 25, 32%. I think that's a little oh. harsh. What did they say? Uh, AV Club gave it a C grade writing. There's a, there's not a lot to, there's a, oh wait, there's a lot not to like about Rust. A dreary, well acted, badly written chunk of misery porn. And that, the dikes. Yeah. And that the dialogue is all flatly, uh, expository. Uh, Handlin concluded with American Rust likely has a story worth telling and a setting worth exploring, but this version fails to make much of a case for either. Yeah, it's not going to sell any Showtime subscriptions, is it, Jake? No, no, golly. Showtime, I really think Showtime was like relying on getting that Halo series and that's been pulled from Showtime. Yeah, that, I can't remember the last big. Was Good Lord Bird a Showtime show? Yes, that was probably the last good Showtime show I can think of. What? What? How, where is Halo going? I forget where it's going. It's not Stars. No, it was going to go to Showtime, and then it got pulled from Showtime, and now it's going on another network. Yeah, I'm trying to look it up. 
Oh, Paramount sure. Plus. Paramount it, Plus. Yeah, Showtime to Paramount Plus. Yeah. Yeah, so you'll be able to watch episodes of The Harpers or whatever the fuck that was called and uh episodes of Halo. All in and ones. the Paw Patrol movie. And the Paw Patrol and, movie. <laughs> and then you could go over and see Mike O'Malley on Guts because they have Nickelodeon stuff. So There you go. There you go. Mike O'Malley, follower of Pop Culture Leftovers, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been binging all of the old Nickelodeon stuff, so... Um, do they have all, do old they have, episodes of Nick Arcade and Double oh, yeah. Dare? And, oh, they oh got God, Double Dare. Nick Arcade is so comically bad. I love yeah, how the guy terrible. tries to he tries to sing along with the theme song every time it plays and makes up lyrics. It's hilarious. Yep. Yeah, it's so bad. Um, but yeah, Legends of Hidden Temple, all those shows are on there. Oh my God! Uh, I used to love. Did I know I've talked about it on the show before, but I used to love, uh, I don't know if Kevin watched it. Kevin, did you ever watch Video Power? Video Power. I have seen, where, where, I recall that name somewhere. Video Power, it was a TV Is show. It? It, it ran from 1990 to 1992 and it had, uh, it had, uh, it? kids going on there and, and competing in different video games and it was hosted by video game master Johnny Arcade. Oh man, that show was awesome. I yeah. loved it. Jake, at the end, the winner would get to run through this maze and like pick up, like, he would get to like, uh, shove a bunch of video games into like a backpack. And they would. <laughs> I wanted to be that kid. Me so hard. too. Like, I remember like the kid that won like the Neo Geo. And I was like, oh my God. Fuck. You just won a $600 video game system. And think about this. The Neo Geo was six hundred dollars in nineteen ninety two. Remember the cartridges for that thing? They were like the size of textbooks. Uh, no shit! It was like it was like a fucking it was, it was like it was like a fucking encyclopedia that you fucking. They were huge, Jake. It was like it was, that's the shit that Moses walked down on on Mount. <laughs> like it was like it was like it was like one of the Old Testament fucking tablets. They were huge. Yeah, no exaggeration. They were gigantic. <laughs> Hold on. A, have you ever have you ever listened to the Video Power uh, theme song? It is like it is like yeah. it was it was like it was inspired by fucking uh, uh, CNC Music Factory. Hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me see if I, I miss can... this entire. See, I don't even know what this is. Oh my god! Here we go. Hold on. I'm gonna play Video Power. I'm gonna play the theme song. Here we go. Oh, is it not playing? I can't hear it. With maximum hype, say video power. Yeah, that's right. Word. <laughs> Got the ability to make you win. You want the edge? I'll push the power surge. Let her rip. Yeah, dude. Man, All like, right, now play some Burger Time. <laughs> that's <laughs> like they were. Reminds me of you said CNC Music Factory, but a little Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, and there's some Snap in there too. Snap. Oh, do, do you remember when CNC Music Factory they broke up and then Freedom went on and did his own solo shit? 
No, no one remembers. That's the problem. No, I don't remember. Oh that. God, I remember. <laughs> no, I, I remember too. I'm just making fun of how much of a thud it was. <laughs> yeah, it was garbage. <laughs> what the fucked up thing about CNC Music Factory is like the girl that they showed singing the vocals in the videos was not the real singer. It was, her. <laughs> it was not her. Yeah. Oh man, no. The the real woman, she got fucking the shaft, man. That was back like the, you know, like think about it, Millie Vanilli and shit, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that going on in pop music back then. Yeah. All right, guys, let's uh, jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's the leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, let's see how gangster as fuck this news is. Uh, this comes from Cinema Plant. Has Indiana Jones found its replacement for Harrison Ford? Alleged insiders say that Indiana Jones 5 will see Harrison Ford passing down the fedora to Phoebe Waller-Bridge who is already set to play an undisclosed role in the movie. The word on the street is that Kathleen Kennedy, the film's producer and president of Lucasfilm, is enthusiastic about making a big, bold change to the franchise, with Waller-Bridge as the up-and-coming female lead of the franchise. Though, to be clear, the Fleabag creator and star being Ford's replacement in the franchise has not yet been confirmed and is purely a rumor. When Daily Mail shared the report, it added that Kathleen Kennedy's spokesperson declined to comment about the detail. Suffice to say that Phoebe Waller-Bridge taking on the Indiana Jones mantle would be a massive spoiler for Indiana Jones 5 and therefore wouldn't be teased by the studio either way. The movie is currently being filmed, and from what we know about the actress's involvement so far, she's said to be an assistant to Harrison Ford's iconic character and has been spotted wearing a maroon corduroy jacket and blue trousers on set. Uh, what especially, uh, what's especially notable about the rumor of Phoebe Waller-Bridge taking the lead following Indiana Jones 5 is that she wouldn't be playing Indiana Jones. She'd be more of an apprentice to his legacy and perhaps start her own franchise apart from the classic adventure series, but with roots in the property. We've yet to meet Waller-Bridge in Indiana Jones 5, but I know I'd prefer a new blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, so they're basically saying, yeah, she's not going to be Indiana Jones, but a new character, and then later on down the road, kind of like a successor to Indiana Jones and keep the franchise alive, kind of like what we saw recently with the Rocky movies and Michael B. Jordan taking over as the uh, character that we've been following in the Creed series. Uh, Kevin, are you a big fan of the Indiana Jones movies and are you a big fan of Phoebe Waller-Bridge and are you a big fan of this news? <laughs> uh, I am a big fan of the, uh, first three Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> I, um, don't really give a crap about Phoebe Waller-Jones being in this movie. And her name is not uh, Phoebe Waller-Jones, it's Phoebe oh, Waller-Bridge. Bridge, okay. Sorry. You don't give a crap. You don't even I've give already, a. Crap. I've already, I'm already gone past this already now. But um, I, has she, I don't recall her being in any sort of action movie. Not yet. I mean, she was a, not yet. She, as far well, she was in the solo movie, but she was a fucking robot. She was a voice. Yeah, she was um, a robot. And and three, I'm of the opinion they should just hang up Indiana Jones for twenty twenty five years, and don't even think about it. There is no reason to make these movies anymore. Um, and I, I just, I, to me, this is a whole bunch of, I don't give a crap uh, about this stuff. Here's um, my, here's my thing. Here's my thing, Kevin. 
I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is super fucking talented. And for they, 100%, yes. I mean, Fleabag was an amazing series. Mm-hmm. And for her to fucking put her energy into playing a character uh, that's set in the same world as Indiana Jones for the next, I don't know how many years, instead of just doing, like, original stuff like she's been doing, just doesn't fucking make sense to me. It, it seems like a waste of her talent. It seems like a huge waste of her talent. And here's the thing. Like, I... Harrison Ford is a really good actor in my opinion. Um, like, especially like some of his early stuff. I never thought that he was an Academy Award worthy actor. I do think that Phoebe Waller Bridge could earn like an Academy Award. If not for acting, she could definitely earn an award for like her writing, something like that. Um, I just think that she's like, I think this is a bad move. I think this is a bad move. I think I'm, I'm in agreement. That I, and here's the thing, I don't want to see anyone, male or female, take on anything in the Indiana Jones universe other than Harrison Ford. I want it to like, you're gonna make this fucking fifth movie and then after that I'm done with the franchise. Wait until all of us fans are good and dead before you bring back <laughs> Indiana Jones. I, I think that's exactly what you gotta Please. do. You gotta do, I mean, with this, I mean, it, other series, other series as well. I mean, the Terminator stuff. You got to retire that. For yeah, yeah. Twenty years or so. I mean, that was of its stuff. time. You That's, retire that stuff. You retire that stuff. Terminator is of its time. I mean, it's like it. it you know, the fucking. You know, uh, the 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 80s and the 90s when that shit was hot and and robots and Skynet and shit and like, I. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I I do want to clarify though, you were correct. She, she is a tremendous talent. Mm -hmm. Um, she can. Even if we don't know her last name all the time, she's a tremendous talent. (laughs) She's, I I love Fleabag. Um, yeah, Fleabag's great. Um, Killing Eve and she did some writing there and everything. So I, I, I love some of that stuff, but I just don't see her in that sort of role. But then again, I have terrible opinions a lot of times, so I could be completely wrong. My opinion of this is like, I want to see her in her role and what she's doing in this movie, but my, the opinion that fucking, like, uh, of, here, my, my big problem with this is fucking taking Phoebe Waller Bridge away from doing other things. I want to see her do other things. I don't just want to see her be some fucking, um, Laura Croft clone for the next fucking, you know, decade of her making, you know, Indiana Jones type movies. I think she's got more talent than that, than to just take on this fucking franchise that has been, in my opinion, dead since 1989. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Jake. Yeah, I feel like this is the same type of shit we heard for Crystal Skull, too. Like that, it's all about handing the torch down to this other person. Yeah, it was Shia. And it was Shia yeah. LaBeouf. Yeah, it's like the same fucking story. Next movie, and yeah, I agree with everything you guys have said. I, I she's fantastic. I, I agree with Brian. I mean, maybe if they were only going to do one every ten years, then sure, let her have the mantle. I, I it doesn't make me upset by any means if that's what they decide to do. But I do think the better decision. It's just to end this thing, like, really. Like, unless you're just going to completely remake it 20, 30 years down the line from now, 
uh, man, let's just give this thing the proper send off that Crystal Skull did not do. Hopefully, we'll get at least that here, and and that's what I want is a send off. I don't want a baton passing. I want a fucking send off, and I want to wash my hands with this. Yeah, and here's a, it's the, yeah, it's a difference. There's a difference for me when it comes to uh, the handoff. I you know as far as like the handoff, as far as like the Wolverine character. Wolverine's been in comics since 1972. Was it 72 or 74, Jake, when he appeared in Incredible Hulk? Was it 74? I think it was 74. Uh, I would have I would have to look that up. It's the reason I, I think the issue is 177. No, it's Hulk Isn't one. It? It's Hulk 180, 181, and 182 is the arc, I believe. Okay. I think you see him first and one at the end of one. I could. It's 181, it 180. It was 74 though. It was 74. It was 74. Yeah. Wolverine first appearance. Pretty sure. October 74, issue 180 for the cameo. Yep, 180, he's at the very end of the issue. 181 was his first full appearance, and then 182 ended his first arc with uh, in the Incredible Hulk book. Anyway, that's nerdy bullshit that we're talking about right now. Um, that's just us flexing our comic book dicks, right, Jake? <laughs> yeah, basically. But yeah. I, I see the comparison that you're making. Yes, yes, like yes, that. yes. You got to keep Wolverine going because Wolverine's been in the comics forever and different writers and artists have been drawing this character for fucking years. So I don't think it, you know, starts, stops and, you know, it just starts and ends with fucking Hugh Jackman. You can always see somebody else take up the mantle and just like Batman, you can always see a new Wolverine. But as far as Indiana Jones is concerned, I, I don't think like, I think I should be, I think I should be long dead before we see another Indiana Jones movie. Like those first three movies are just so fucking perfect. Spielberg, Lucas, Harrison Ford, so fucking perfect that I can take those to my goddamn grave and then let fucking in a hundred years then you can start fucking making new Indiana Jones movies if you feel the need to. But I don't need anybody else to take on the mantle or any of this other shit. And I would rather see Phoebe Waller-Bridge um, just do more original stuff. I was really excited for her working with Donald Glover and that fell out with the Mr. and Mrs. Smith shit. But I would just like to see her just take on original shit and get fucking sucked into doing Indiana Jones fucking movies for the next fucking, you know, decade. I don't know. That's my, that's my opinion. 100%, 100% agree with that. I, <sighs> yeah, it's ridiculous. We don't need, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. He is. He is. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank God fucking Clint Eastwood wasn't Indiana Jones. I would have been seeing 91, 91 year old Indiana Jones this past week. I'm starting to like this Phoebe Waller bridge. By the time this movie gets made, I don't know. Jake. will be up there. I'm starting to like 79. this Phoebe Waller bridge. Yeah, I know. Harrison Ford's getting too old for this too. I mean, goddamn, he fucking almost had one of those, those, one of those hydraulic doors on the set of Star Wars The Force Awakens almost killed him. They're lucky. He, they are lucky. It just fucking landed on his leg. Do we know if Johnny Williams is coming back for Indiana Jones Five? He's done. He's got to be done, right? I don't know. I, I could see him doing one more. I, God damn. I don't. He's know. He's still doing scores. He's just done with Star Wars. Yeah, he's done with Star Wars. Yeah. I'm trying to look it up. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if this movie gets made, I mean, Harrison Ford will. Oh, John, Johnny Williams is doing it. Jesus Christ! All right, 
Yeah, Harrison Ford will be 80 when this movie debuts if it gets put out, released <laughs> oh on schedule. <laughs> oh, man. You know, he's still rocking that earring. He's Harrison Ford. He well, can do what he wants. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the first male celebrities to be rocking that kind of thing. And right? Morgan Freeman was rocking that earring, too. He's still rocking that earring, that Morgan Freeman. I don't know. There's a certain age where you just got, don't you think, Jake, unless you're Dennis Rodman, you got to drop the earring? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dennis Rodman can do it until death, I think. But, I used yeah, to. It looks, it, it looks tacky on Morgan Freeman. And I used to. Ford. Dude, I used to have earrings. I used to have a fuck ton of earrings, dude. I had three in my left. No, four in my left and then one in my right. I even had a fucking uh, eyebrow ring back in the fucking late 90s. I would love to see these pictures. <laughs> so, so well, I still have my piercings. I could still put an earring in it to this day. If I really. Well, they didn't close. They didn't close up that much. No, I can still. I can. I mean, they've closed up, but I can still pop it through. Wow. Yeah, I can still pop it through. I had them in for for a long, long time. I bet I could still pop an earring through. It's been it's been a long time since I wore them. I I think it's been, I think the last time I wore earrings was probably when I was like in my early thirties. Well, you know what you gotta do now? You gotta bring it back. No, it ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian, the trendsetter of the earring. No, it was cool when I was younger. It was cool when oh, I was yeah, younger. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, I used to have three hoops in the left, a hoop in the right. I used to have a stud on the top of my ear, and then I had an eyebrow ring in the late nineties because I had an ex girlfriend that wanted me to get an eyebrow ring. So I fucked. That must did have been it. a bitch to put in and take out. Yeah, I didn't even have it in that long, and to this day, there's still like a little hole in there, and fucking like, fucking like dirt clecks in there and shit. And so I can, <laughs> yeah, and so I gotta pop it every once in a while. It's bullshit. I get like oil and Ew. shit that like accumulates in there. It sucks. Anyway, uh, news from THR, new Lost Boys movie in the works, uh, with Noah Jupe and Jaden Martell to star. And, uh, I feel like the headline should read, uh, Stranger Things with Vampires coming soon. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like these totally are like jump the only on that two young kid actors out there or something. <laughs> Warner Brothers has found the Lost Boys once again. Uh, the studio is gearing up for a brand new reimagined take on the 1980s teen vampire classic. Uh, Noah Jupe from A Quiet Place and Jaden Martell from It will top line the feature project. And, uh, yeah. Um, they find the Lost Boys. That pun made me hurt. What, well, what was it? <laughs> the, the boys, they're lost and they found them again. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Um, the original Lost Boys. Released in 1987, told of, uh, two, of two brothers who moved to California Beach, to a California beach town that the pair soon discover is being terrorized by a stylish vampire biker gang. Also taking bites from scenes were a pair of comic book loving brothers who thought themselves vampire hunters. Uh, the horror comedy was directed by Joel Schumacher and featured an ensemble straight out of Bot Magazine cast, Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland, Corey Feldman, Corey Haim, Alex Winter. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this is unnecessary. Oh, yeah, completely, completely. This smells of VOD. No, it's not going to be VOD. It's, <laughs> it, you've got two of the hottest young up-and-coming actors here. Noah Jupe from A Quiet Place and Jaden Martell from It. And, uh, 
I don't think it's VOD, man. I know that yeah, the, the I just can't see it being one of those nostalgia things. Like I can't see moms and dads like bringing their kids to see Lost Boys because it's like such this like big thing from their childhood. I, it just smells a flop to me. Lost Boys was huge, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not about. saying it wasn't huge, but I don't I don't think the name carries much weight now in 2021 yeah but i do think that fucking stranger things is huge and i feel like they're just going to try to make this stranger things with vampires i really do i think there's going to be a big push with uh, warner brothers on this one yeah i can smell that and i bet it just oozes from the trailer even <laughs> i bet it does too i bet it does too <laughs> and I haven't watched I haven't watched Lost Boys in probably it's probably been a good decade since I've watched Lost Boys. Didn't they recently do a Lost Boys sequel? Dude, they've done many Lost Boys sequel, <laughs> and those were straight to, to straight to uh, video. I mean, Corey Feldman came back and did like these movies, like in his late late twenties, maybe even early thirties. He was doing. Lost Boys sequels that went straight to video. Like, they've done... I feel like they've done th at least three, if not four or five of these fucking movies. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm I trying see, to look it I up on the wiki. Lost Boys The Tribe, Lost yep. Boys The Thirst. Yep. Um, I think that was 2009. I, I know of at least three. 2010 was the most recent one. Yeah. Yeah, and I've honestly, I'll be honest with you, I've only watched the first one. Like the the sequels just seem so terrible that I was just like, <laughs> I've boys the thirst. Oh my god. <sighs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I I I take back what I said though. I I agree with you that they definitely are going to try to push this to the fucking moon, but I just can't see this being a smash hit. No, absolutely not. Absolutely, the, the first one was great for its time, dude. There, I mean, it was great for its time. I I loved Lost Boys when I was a kid. Um, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, Jason Patrick. I thought it was a great. You know, there's nothing quite like that scene where they're fucking going into like the the van the vampire cave and like you see them like sleeping upside down. And I thought like. Uh, uh, Kiefer Sutherland was such a great fucking villain in that, but it was such a fucking movie of the eighties. I don't know. I just, I can't see this being, I can't, I can't see this being any good now. I, I feel like they're just going to try to pull from, uh, stranger things. And, um, but do you think it'll be set in modern day or do you think they're going to go eighties with this one? I bet it'll be set in modern day. Kevin, what are your thoughts, man? Did were you a fan of the Lost Boys? I I love the that first film. It's a classic. Yeah. Um, this is not welcome news. I do not. I, I posted something earlier today on my Facebook page, and I was just like, "Fuck this," because I I this completely unnecessary. Um, there is absolutely no reason to remake something like this in this day and age. Um leave that original movie to be what it is sure we had they had the direct to disc sequels that that was seemed just ter seemed fucking, terrible. Uh, Corey but, Feldman just needed money dude yeah he doesn't need money I mean he's, that's, it's, that's true. It it's true it's true Corey Feldman was doing but, those as a quick buck but this is it's unneeded I and mean, it's I mean and it, number one it's not even inspired casting I mean you get the really like two of the 
I guess call them child actors. I mean, they're not really children anymore, I don't think. But, um, I mean, Jaden Martell and Noah Jupe, who seem to be typecast into a lot of these different type of roles. I mean, grab these kids and put them in this sort of movie. And I, I just, I just, I can't get behind it. I don't like it. Um, but if it came out, I would, I would watch it. I mean, I'm not going to say I wouldn't watch it, but, um, I, I don't want it to be made. I think it's dumb, but, and the only, the only saving factor would be if Tim Capello is still alive, which he is, he's got to have a cameo somehow. I don't know if he's still alive. I'm pretty sure he is. Really? Is he? He's, he's, he'd be in his sixties, I think. I don't really know, but uh, I, I would, I, it just unneeded. I mean, and I don't see, are you going to make this rated R? Are you going to make this PG-13? What are you going to make this uh, um, rating-wise? PG-13. Jake, Kevin, favorite Jason Patrick movie. Go. God. <laughs> oh, my God. I have, I have no idea. idea. Jason Patrick. Jeez, I had to think about that for a long time. I can't even recall a movie that he was in. I would say Speed 2, Cruise Control. Oh, oh my god. That's the number one movie listed when you when you search him because I just did a search for him. I'm gonna search for him now because I, would, I don't even recall other than Lost oh, he's Boys. In Sleepers. I I would, Sleepers is a good movie. Sleepers is a fantastic it's very long, but Sleepers is a fantastic movie. I love Sleepers. Yeah, that's that's my favorite Jason Patrick movie. Yeah, that's definitely the best looking at this list. Well, he's in a lot of bad fucking movies. Yeah. Yeah. Speed two cruise control is garbage. Oh, yeah, yeah, speed on a boat. Like, it was, people were making fun of that the second it was announced. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> Jump off the fucking boat, people. It, it was so bad. Let it crash. Oh, it's so bad. All right, let's move on into uh, Marvel News. Marvel news. Marvel news. Um, Whoa, an echo. I know, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if maybe I originally recorded that. It's well. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the front door. I know, dude. <laughs> uh, not a lot this week for Marvel news. We will get into the Venom 2 post credit stuff here, uh, you know, after the show. But here's the here's a rumor. It's from Daniel uh, at Daniel RPK. Uh, Jake, I also want to point out at Daniel RPK also follows us on Twitter. Awesome! I will refrain from saying anything bad about him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rumor from uh, Daniel RPK: uh, Kristen Palmer will get married in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but not to Doctor Strange. So his love interest in the first movie is getting married in the second mo- movie, but not to Doctor Strange. Not huge news, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Oh, man, Doctor Strange, scenes from a marriage. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's heavy. Oh, no. Dude, Oscar Isaac's going <laughs> to be Moon Knight, bro. I know, I know. He's... 
Oscar Isaac, he's so amazing. He's like my number one man crush right now, if I had to say. Oh, dude. Yeah, he's 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 dreamy, isn't he? Yeah. Oh my god, he's a fucking zaddy. Let me say this. <laughs> I gave the I gave the Dune trailer a high taste it upon first watch. Jake, I've seen the first trailer and the second trailer in the theater uh since then. Um I've fallen in love with this fucking trailer. I've fallen in love with the oh, Dune it's trailer. It's a great trailer. I think it's yeah. a Tupperware, man. I'm changing I I've, I've and this is I've been it's a long uh, I should have said this weeks ago, but it's a Tupperware. I, I think this, I think this movie looks really goddamn good. Have you been reading the articles that, that, D, uh, Denis Villeneuve has been guaranteed a second film? Do you think it's true? I, I, I don't think it's a hundred percent true. I think this, if this is a giant flop and how much money it costs with the cast and the effects that they would shelf this. Yeah. What do you think, Kevin? Are you looking forward to doing? Uh, yeah, I'm actually that that those trailer the trailers that I've seen were excellent. I mean, they pulled me in. I wasn't the biggest fan of the original, um, but uh, this has pulled me in quite a bit. I am excited to watch it. Can't wait to see it in the theater. But again, as Jake just said, I mean, if this flops completely, ah, gosh, I I I have a hard time believing in this present day that we find ourselves with everything going on that a studio would. Say okay, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a sequel to this, no matter what. Um, yeah. If it loses hundreds of millions of dollars, right. I don't know how much it costs. I'm assuming it costs a lot of money to make and to market, and then all of the delays that have gone on. Yeah. Um, and the, that cast isn't cheap. <laughs> I just i I can't see them saying if you only make a hundred million dollars and it costs essentially four or five hundred million or four hundred million dollars total of marketing. How are we going to, I mean, how are you going to green like that? Yeah. Because you're going to, it's going to be another $400 million and you're only going to make another hundred and hundred and fifty million million, whatever it might be. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I mean, you're, you're compound, you're compounding your losses. Essentially. If the first one did bad, why is, why do you think the second one's going to do any better? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, uh, I mean, uh, <sighs> Yeah, it's it's one of those things, Jake, where it's like it's going to be available on uh, HBO Max, and it's not. I don't know. It's not like you know, like back in the day when we were kids and shit, where like nobody would go to the theater and watch a movie, and then like we find out like a year, two years later, like like that nobody went and saw this movie, but like in our eyes, it was a huge movie. And let me just throw out an example: Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, perfect example. I mean, honestly, the first Austin Powers falls into that category. I, that was pretty much a flop that later on became really popular. Are we? Um, does does that even happen anymore? No, I feel like that's a phenomenon that does not happen anymore. Like sleeper, yeah, and, and even if it did, I don't see it happening in this. I mean, the the next few years with yeah. the way the I mean things are going. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys upset that Christine Palmer is going to get married to somebody else? <laughs> I, think I'll be, I think I'll be okay. I'm happy she's happy. Yeah, I'm exactly. Right happy. happy she's happy. Uh, news uh, from GamesRadar.com. Eternals director Chloe Zhao says the movie explores the MCU, quote, before Thanos was born, before anyone was born. Eternals promises to be a Marvel movie like no other. Not only does the upcoming release have Oscar-winning Chloe Zhao at the helm, but the story promises to dive further into the MCU lore 
than any other film or TV series so far. The Eternals themselves are alien beings that have lived for millennia. They are Earth's protectors, yet the group did not interfere when Thanos was amassing Infinity Stones. Uh, Zhao says, the audience will understand why. This is what she told Total Film in uh, the upcoming issue of the magazine featuring Eternals on the cover. She says, not only why, but how complicated not interfering made them feel. We explore that. You'll see that in the film. The Eternals were instructed not to interfere with any human conflict unless deviants are involved. There's a reason why that's the case. And that that was the instruction from the prime celestial Erisham. Jake, Erisham in the comics is Erisham the Judge. And that's exactly the celestial that we saw in the second trailer when they got that big shot of Erisham the Judge. The Celestials have already had an impact in the MCU, as we've previously seen. One of these great beings, uh, Isan the Searcher, stomping around the universe and using the Power Stone in a flashback during Guardians of the Galaxy. We've also met the Celestial Star-Lord's father, Ego. Eternals promises to bring in more Celestial mythology, the movie heading back in time and having big repercussions on things to come. Uh, what excited me is the idea of going back in time and exploring the time before Thanos was born, before anyone was born, Zhao says. Where does the MCU go back in time? And that brings us to the mythology of the Celestials. Anything involving the Celestials is going to be at a huge scale level of complications. Let's put it that way. So, God damn it. I, I'm, I'm telling you, Jake, like, uh, I was not excited after that first trailer. I, I mean, I thought that there was interesting things being explored. I thought the first trailer was kind of just like, though. And that second. Oh, yeah, tra- it was a big wet fart. It was. <laughs> it was. I mean, I didn't really get a feel for any of the characters or anything in that first trailer. You really had to like break it down to, to, to get any kind of like excitement level for, you know, what they had in store for us in that movie. And the second trailer drops, and my God, once I saw that second trailer in the theater with the music and, like, some of the visuals and seeing the shot of uh, the Celestial Airsham, I was just fucking blown away. I am so ready for uh, for the Eternals movie to come out. I am so ready for fucking everything they're going to be throwing into this movie. I think it's a huge daunting task though, because she's saying they're exploring the time before Thanos was born. But we also know that this movie takes place kind of like in the, you know, 2024 era of Marvel of the MCU timeline. So they're going to be not to mention how many new characters we're going to be introduced to. Oh, I know. I know. I can't imagine that. Do you think all of the Eternals are going to come out of this? Jake, no, no, no fucking way. Sprite? I mean, that little girl, Eternal? Like, let me just point this out. Like, we're supposed to believe she's looked like that for, you know, fucking centuries, right? Yeah. Well, the the actor's going to age. I mean, can she, can can they, are all the Eternal, I, I, you know what I mean? Do you see what I'm saying here? Oh, totally. Like, she's a perfect candidate to not move past this movie. Just right. to avoid the problem there. Right. Um, yeah, you don't want to have another fucking, like, next generation data on your hands where it's, like, completely implausible why this actor is aging. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
or like season four of Stranger Things where they all fucking have <laughs> God damn it, what the like how they all what? look like Clint Eastwood and shit. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm um, Kevin. Are you are you excited for Eternals, or is this still kind of like one of those movies where it's like you're gonna have to wait? It's a wait and see for you. No, I I 100 right with all of you said regarding that first trailer. Eh, I was I was excited that something like this is gonna happen, but that second trailer really, really, really pulled me in. Yeah, yeah, and I am. 100% in on this film and I can't wait to see what is going to happen because as you've already alluded to and said that this is a huge task if you're exploring everything before Thanos was born and then all of these characters and then it's set in the modern times the specific years that are I, I just it's a lot of story to be told and represented on the screen with a lot of characters in a two, two and a half hour film. I mean, it's a lot of material. Yeah. I feel and like the director. Of... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like the director is, is kind of famously likes to breathe a lot in her movies, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's. I don't think this movie is going to feel rushed by any means. I, I feel like it's and I don't I also don't think it's going to be slow paced, but I, I do feel like it's going to it's going to chew the scenery a bit. And I mean, you also have the problem of. I mean, how many general Marvel, the the general Marvel MCU audience, not the comic book people that are like highly, highly knowledgeable about this stuff, are really, really know who these characters are? I mean, I mean, with Thor, with um, Iron Man, at least, I mean, some of those were BC characters before, but you still had a passing knowledge of who some of these people were, um, even if you weren't a huge comic book person. But now getting into the Eternals, how many people really know these characters and without some sort of explanation and some sort of um, kind of staying on that and getting some background on these characters um, in the in the beginning of the movie? Yeah, you're going to have to spend some time describing who these characters are, showing who they are. I mean, I they're. I agree with you. I, mm-hmm. I I agree with you. And here, I think at the end of the day, here's here's my here's my thing with with this Eternals movie. I think once the Eternals movie ends, I think we're gonna really love a lot of these characters that are playing Eternals. My worry for the Eternals movie um, is that it's not gonna have a good villain presence. I think I could see that. There's so many hero characters. So well, there's so many hero characters. And it's just a deviance. They're just kind of like Well, the, you've got deviants, but you also have like the main deviant of Crow. And I feel like Crow is going to be kind of like I'm worried that Crow's going to be a generic kind of like Malekith of the Dark Elves and Thor, the Dark World, where it's like we really don't know who Crow is by the end of this movie. And the, the, like the bigger threat here is like the celestial threat, the celestial threat by the end of this movie that Crow is just kind of like this, you know, villain in the movie that, that they, they don't really flesh out. And at the end of the movie, it's going to be a big battle with the deviants. And then the movie's over and then a post-credit scene teasing something bigger, you know, 
in future movies. And um, I think audiences are going to be satisfied, but I think people that have been like dissecting these Marvel movies and that have had problems with the Marvel movies in the past, they're just going to be like, okay, yeah, we got this big Chitari alien battle at the end of Avengers. And, and then we saw it again with like, you know, well, and like we saw it in Thor, the dark world. We, you know, um, even people had problems with the Shang-Chi movie as far as like the big, you know, the third act battle. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought Wen Wu, the act, Tony Leung was great as Wen Wu. I just don't know because Crow is going to be a 100% CG character in this movie as this deviant villain. And I think at the end of the day, I don't know how fleshed out this Crow character is going to be. I think it's going to be a one and done villain. And I think that this movie is going to be basically like a vehicle just to introduce like these characters into the Marvels. It's like ushering them into the MCU. And I think we're all going to love a lot of these characters after this movie, but I think the villain's going to be the weakest part of this movie. That's my guess. And I hope I'm wrong. Then, yeah. then where, where do these characters pop up again after the film though? Um, that's the thing. I think there's going to be like this bigger, uh, threat of, Here's the thing. I guess we could speculate all day, Kevin. I could say, like, the Celestials are going to want to, you know, Arishem's going to want to come and judge the Earth and maybe destroy the Earth. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, maybe um, some – not all the Celestials are evil, though. I I still think there might be a big Galactus threat later on down the the road. Okay. But I don't know. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, where are the Eternals going to pop up next? It's a great question. Um, I agree that the villain is just kind of a bookmark villain to move these characters into the MCU. Yeah. But, man, I, where are they going to pop up next? It's hard to say. They've been so secretive about kind of what the next big event movie is going to be. I can't see these characters popping up in any of the Disney Plus series that we know about. Um, I could potentially see... A mention of them in the Doctor Strange movie, maybe, maybe post credits Doctor Strange. We see an inkling of these characters again. Yeah, because I mean, you're you've got Strange, you've got Spider Man, you've got what I mean coming soon, but Black Panther eventually, mm, Thor, Thor, Eleven Thunder, the Fantastic Guardians Four. Film. Fan- Has that got a date yet? It's got a year. I mean, it, it's, it's so it'll. I mean, quite could possibly be another two three years until you see some of these characters well i mean that's typically the case two to three years yeah but yeah that's typically the case i but yeah it's hard to say i I, definitely the next big event movie we're going to see these characters again a hundred percent but we got to see them again before that i think oh yeah Yeah, yeah that's what i wondered like where they were going to pop up along the way between yeah. or before that huge event movie that we're going to get eventually. Yeah. I wouldn't guess a Disney plus series either. I would think it would be another film because you can't, you can't reasonably introduce them into this with this movie and then just forget about them for two or three years. Right. There's gotta be mentions of them somewhere or visually. I mean, they gotta appear somewhere. At least one or two of them have to. Well, and then how do we usher them into the greater MCU? How, I mean, we haven't seen these characters interact with, I mean, we know that they are aware of characters like, you know, we know that they're aware of everything that's going on in the earth. 
We know that they know that Steve Rogers was Captain America, that Iron Man made the sacrifice. We know that they know about the events of Endgame, but Captain Marvel, as far as we know, is not aware of the Eternals. Nick Fury, as far as we know, is not aware of the Eternals. When do we see the Eternals talk to, you know, a Doctor Strange or talk to, you know, somebody within the Avengers and kind of like make their, you know, presence known? Do we see that in a post credit scene in the Eternals movie? Do we see, you know, like even in the post credit scenes of Shang-Chi, we know that Shang-Chi has caught the attention of the Avengers and... I mean, we know these things. Spoilers, whatever, fuck it. It's been out for like two, three weeks now. I don't give a shit. I'm just saying, yeah, when do we, like, when do we see the, the, the Eternals start to kind of like interact with other members of the MCU? Are, are we going to see that in a post-credit scene? In, in I feel like it, there's a very high chance we see that in a post-credit scene in this first movie. I would hope so. I would hope so. I'd love to see them interact with somebody by the end of this. They're going to join the karaoke club in the post post credit scene. <laughs> yeah, Hotel California. Yeah, <laughs> what song would they sing? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Great podcasting here. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. Um, let's move on. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Eternals. A time before Thanos. I'm looking forward to all this stuff. Um, I think they're seen that they specifically use Thanos as the time placeholder, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think speculation to whether or not that Thanos is connected to Deviants in the MCU. Well, yeah. I mean, in the comics, he he does have Deviant lineage. You know, he's part Deviant. In the yeah, I just wonder if using his name as a time placeholder has some, is kind of a, a wink towards where they may be going. With, I don't uh, think in the MCU he's part deviant because if he was part deviant, then they could have interacted. They could have played a part in Endgame. Yeah. it just Maybe it's tragic. Maybe they very well could have, but they fucking made the wrong decision. Yeah. We'll see. Uh yeah, news from Cinema Blend. Venom, let there be carnage has screened. See what people are saying. Um, and there's a bunch of quotes from different people. Somebody said, Venom, let there be carnage is the most batshit insane film of the year and is marked and a marked improvement on the first film. It absolutely flies by and Woody Harrelson delivers as Cletus Cassidy, Carnage, a villain I've been waiting to see in live action for ages. Stay for the end credits. Um, someone else says, so no review allowed till September 30th, but Venom Let There Be Carnage was a fun movie that put that, uh, that that's better in parts to the original, um, Carnage and Woody Harrelson steal the show. I just love him. The action was pretty entertaining, but there is one scene that will make you go, um, and they put like a, like a wow emoji in a good way um uh, the biggest strength of venom let there be carnage is its frantic pacing and exhilarating action matching the kinetic energy tom hardy has with himself woody harrelson is relishing as cletus carnage and is perfect for the role oh my god stay for the credits so 
I don't know, man. I I, I am looking. I loved. <laughs> I, I I loved that first movie, Jake. Um, I. I don't. I've care. heard this thing is only ninety minutes too. It really I, it's the rumor. Like it's going to be a fucking camp fest. Yeah, they say it's ninety <laughs> minutes. That's the rumor that's out there. Kevin, what do you think about uh, the first Venom movie? Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the first Venom movie. <laughs> okay. Um, I but I will say, um, I have rewatched it a couple of times over the past couple of months, and it has grown on me more. I do like a lot of the humor a lot more for some reason. Um, and it just, it grew on me. So I, I am looking forward to this because this looks really good to me. I got, um, I got my tickets. I got my tickets for, uh, opening night. I'm nice. I'm nice. I am looking forward to this. So, um, I just, if it is 90 minutes, then it, it will fly by. I mean, it is, it is going to be, as that review said, frantic pace. Um, I can't remember how long the first one was, but I mean, I don't think it was 90 minutes. Jake, did you watch the, uh, Kevin, did you watch the, uh, interview with, uh, Andy Serkis and Tom Hardy where they're talking about the movie? No, I did not. I did not see that. Yeah. They're talking about, uh, they're talking about carnage. And, uh, basically, they talk about how much they loved working with Woody. But they also said that they, they, they went through and they looked at a lot of the comic book panels of Carnage and a lot of the action scenes in the comics. And they wanted to make the, the, the movements of Carnage really reflect what you see in the comic books. So I'm hoping comic book fans of the character of Carnage will be happy with the representation here because they, it sounds to me like uh, it was a collaboration with all these guys that they really wanted to, to, uh, and, and, and uh, Tom Hardy kept saying like, you know, when you think of like, you know, where the Venom story should lead to and you think of like the villains and the symbiotes and stuff like it leads to carnage and then that's when they were asked like where does it go from there and it's like you know tom hardy had to really dance kind of like around that question but uh <laughs> but uh it was uh it, it was a really good interview with those guys so yeah you can find it out there i'll send it to you guys later but uh I'm looking forward to it. Oh, you know what I'm seeing again on Tuesday? I'm seeing Shang-Chi on Tuesday in IMAX again. I can't wait to see oh, it again. awesome. Nice. Yeah, it'll be my... I need, I need to catch it a third time before it's gone. Yeah, it'll be my fourth screening. So I, I wanted to see it again in IMAX. So, um, Oh, they're playing it at the drive-in, too, in Springfield. I don't know. Maybe I'll see it in the drive-in. We'll see. Oh, that'd be fun. I haven't seen a movie in the drive-in forever. I haven't seen a movie in the drive-in since Avengers. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I went <laughs> earlier this year, earlier this spring, and saw several movies at the local drive-in. Yeah. And it's just such fun time. Fun experience. A, I turn into Clint Eastwood where I need to take a nap because they have to wait till like, it, it gets real dark before they start. dark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm getting tired. Once it starts getting dark, my ass starts getting tired. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I go to another drive-in for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's all I got. I guess there was the, where's my, let me find this. Cause I, I, maybe I screenshot this. Remember Jake, we talked about, this is DC news. We talked, um, a few weeks ago about the rumor. Yeah, I've got it here. 
the rumor that the Warner Brothers executives, the you know, they watched a, an early screening of the Batman and they were not happy with it. Mm. You remember we yeah, talked? Oh, I've to- seen a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a bit of this updated story too. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a a rumor that uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman, is so dark it made Warner Brothers executives leery. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. There was an update on this on the internet that uh, dropped uh, maybe even today or yesterday. And uh, big screen leaks on Twitter said this is completely false. Warner is very happy with the Batman. It did great with test audiences. Warner has a trilogy planned and already gave the green light for two spin-offs with more on the way. What do we what do we believe here? What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like anytime we hear Warner, I've never heard Warner Brothers come out and say like, "Oh, we're we're worried about this movie." Well, we're not some gonna, of their worst movies. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to hear them say that right now. That's what reshoots are for, right? I mean, yeah. Gonna, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I and, and just from the trailer and what we know about this movie, I think it is a little bit darker than what we've been accustomed to with Batman for the last few, you know, few outings. Is this PG thirteen? I would say yes. Nolan got pretty dark, didn't he? Yeah, Nolan got pretty dark. Uh, ever since Nolan, though, it hasn't. It's it's kind of been lightened up. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> Snyder got pretty dark with the oh, not yeah, the, Batman yeah. murdering people. Yeah, okay. Batman murdering people, and the, they, they were... it wasn't done in like a really dark, like he faced lots of consequences for doing it. Way by any means, you know. I don't know. They just in, they introduced the injustice storyline, you know, in the Snyder stuff. I yeah, don't know. yeah. It still didn't come out, come off as like super dark to me. I guess Superman's gonna eventually murder everybody. <laughs> I mean, they're introducing it just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, uh, but that, you know, Warner Brothers kind of like wanted to, to end their relationship with Snyder too. Um, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know what report to believe, Jake. I think, I think the earlier reports saying that, uh, that Warner executives, weren't happy with it i think it might be bullshit i think uh yeah i think they might be happy with what they got here we'll see oh yeah i i think those early reports are are probably bullshit too i i i think they're happy with it i think they've got a talented crew i think they've probably made something pretty special here i hope so i hope so kevin are you looking forward to the batman uh with uh robert pattinson Kevin. Oh, hello. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. Was, well, hello. <laughs> you do a podcast called uh, the Toxcast. I thought maybe you had been introduced to some toxins. Oh, uh, my my kid just ran in here for a second. Oh, no so I was like, "What the heck?" I didn't hear what you said. So no, I asked if you were uh, looking forward um, to being a part of this podcast and and interacting and being. <laughs> And, uh, to be honest, kind of, a little bit, maybe. Um, no, regarding the Batman, no, I am looking forward to it. Okay. I, 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 I can't wait to see what Robert Pattinson can do. Yeah. Honestly, I cannot wait. Yeah. Um, 
can't wait to see where the story's going. Different characters, villains. Have you seen um, Have you seen Good Time with Robert Pattinson? Oh yeah, I love Good Time. Fucking great I, movie. Robert Pattinson is a terrific actor. Did you watch High Life? Terrific. I did not see High Life. Watch High Life, dude. And um, but he is so he's a terrific actor. I could see him doing extremely well in this role. Yeah, but I think it's got it, the writing's got to be there. I mean, stories has got to be there. Yeah, um, I agree. And I'm I'm looking forward. I love how the Batmobile looks. I love how everything seems to be shaping up with this. Um, I want it to come out like immediately, um, but I I think regarding those initial reports, I, I when it comes to WB. DC, whatever. I don't think you can believe anything they say. I mean, they've they've said a lot of stuff in the past. I mean, they'll continue saying a lot of stuff in some of these reports. And I, I just I don't believe anything they say. I mean, when it anything that comes out of that camp, so um, it, it's just I I personally can't wait for the film and to again see what he can do um, because I mean I like personally like Ben Affleck as in that role. Um, but, um, I, I just can't see, can't wait to see another person take that, take that role and see what they can do with it. Yeah. I've been warming up more to the Ben Affleck Batman. I, I mean, I like, I like his, I mean, the way he carried himself in, in the suit and everything, but I just, I mean, Batman Superman, is just so atrocious. I mean, just the writing and everything, jamming everything together. I mean, I just, I just, I just wish it would have been put together a lot better mm-hmm. than what it was. I mean, you could have done so much good stuff, but separating out some of those stories. I mean, you, you, you stuff in the death of Superman, you stuff in a lot of this other stuff, and in the one giant film, it, it's a mess, and it, it could have been so so good, and he could have probably kept that role for a long time and we might not even see Robert Pattinson in that role if it had been a little bit better experience but um, but I, again I can't wait to see what he's going to do with it yeah oh uh, R.I.P. Norm MacDonald oh yeah that one hit me really hard that was I, I'm a huge Norm fan and I mean it's it's been really cool seeing all the, the clips and just all the one-liners from Weekend Update and just all his stand-up routines. I, I've watched a lot of material since his passing, and that's been the, the one kind of beacon of light from this, is just being reminded of his comic genius. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, Turd Ferguson will forever be etched in my mind. Forever. <laughs> I, my, before even Saturday Night Live, I was, uh, I was a fan of his stand-up comedy. And, uh, yeah. So... Yeah. He's always been known as a, a comedian's comedian, right? He's a, he's the, the stand-up that makes other comedians laugh, and that's yeah. such a gift and a talent because that's so hard to do. Yeah, well, the same thing goes for uh, Conan O'Brien. He was the writer that made all the other writers laugh, and, like, we saw what he did with his career, so. Yeah, yeah. I heard he finished all of his voice work for the Orville Season 3, and that'll kind of be his last big hurrah. Uh, yeah, sad. That's sad. Um, all right, let's end this fucker. Stick around until after the uh, music and shit, and then we'll talk about the Venom Two post credit scene because we won't have a we won't have a Venom 
Let There Be Carnage proper review, Jake. We'll talk about it when we return, like what our thoughts yeah. were. I like how meta this is that we're going to our post credit pop culture leftover moment is going to be about another movie's post credit scene. Yeah, I also like how you hate post credit scenes and you're going to be involved in one. Yeah, I yeah. like that. I like that a lot, Jake. I hate myself. I <laughs> I've hate. <laughs> I'm going to play drums in the hallway the whole time. I've hated a lot of things about you in the past, but I absolutely love that you hate this and I love that I get to put you in 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 this whole process of us. Oh, I've actually got an emergency and I have to I have to go. I'm going to have to <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. <Michelle? laughs> oh, hey, did did uh did Michelle watch any of uh, Squid Game with you? No, she did not. Why? I don't know. I, I didn't even bring it up to her. I, I watched it by myself without her even knowing of it. I, she she knows nothing of its existence. <laughs> I don't know if she'd like it or not. I, I lean towards she would find it disturbing and not care for it. Really? I don't know, though. Maybe not. Okay. Interesting. I'll finish it and see what I think about how it sticks to landing, and I'll try to squeeze the first episode onto her. Yeah, I'd just be interested to hear... You don't have to talk about it in an episode, but I'd just be interested. No, yeah, you. I'll let you know. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I'll let you know as soon as I finish. I, I'm excited to see what's going to happen here. This is the end of the uh, regular episode, everybody, but stick around. Uh, afterwards, we're going to talk about the uh, Venom uh, 2 post-credit scene. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if, uh, if, if this is the... This might be the, yeah, Jake, this might be, for some people, some, some, uh, spoiler pussies, this might be the last that they hear from us in, in two weeks. Yeah, they'll make do. I, I have faith. We'll be back though. It's not like, you know, it's not like one of those things where we're not going to come back. We're going to come back. We're going to come back. You know, that's, that's the hardest thing for me, Jake. Have you ever like listened to a podcast that you absolutely love and then out of nowhere they just stop recording and you never know why? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I've had that exact experience. Some of my all time favorite podcasts take these insanely long breaks and I'm yeah. just like, Ugh. yeah, we don't do, we don't really take insanely long breaks, but we do leave every great once in a while just for maybe, you know, a couple weeks, but we always come back. So we're going to come back. So I want to let everybody know that we are a hundred percent coming back. Don't worry. Um, you know, there'll be other things to do in these two weeks. I, you know, I got stuff I got to do. I got, I, you know, I, I want to take a week off for personal stuff. And then I, I'm painting the house and shit. I got family coming into town and I just can't record that Saturday because I'm painting my fucking house. It's got to get done. It'll look so, it'll look so much better after it gets painted, Jake. It's going to look so much nicer. I can't wait to get the house. Have you picked out your paint yet? Not yet. Not yet. I haven't picked out the paint yet. I've got, uh, I've got a few weeks now before I got a couple weeks actually before I got to pick it out, but I'll pick it out. But yeah. Uh, Kevin, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode, sir. Oh, thank you for having me. And Always a blast. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Where can people find you? If you're not yeah. fucking on here talking with us, <laughs> us, 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 us jag bags. <laughs> Jack bags. <laughs> I love that name. That's a, I'm going to be using that now, dude. I haven't thought about Jag bags in years. There was a guy on the Chicago Bulls 
uh, message board that I was on. I was on this fucking message board, Jake, for probably over a decade and just talking Chicago Bulls with these guys. It does, it's been disbanded. Like we had, like we moved from the Chicago Tribune website message boards to, uh, another site called World Crossing where we, uh, where we would all talk about Chicago Bulls. And after World Crossing ended, it just kind of like ended. But, uh, there was a guy called his, uh, handle is Shinky. And he would call everybody, he would call people jag bags. And I loved it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Kevin, when you're not talking to us jag bags, where can people find you, sir? Yeah, uh, nobody asked you, Kevin podcast. Uh, I talk music, movies occasionally when I can get to an episode. And, um, Dose Makes the Poison, the Toxcast, which is a science focused podcast based, um, in forensics, toxicology, drugs, and poisons. In its relation to pop culture and the media, there you go. That's where you can find me, Kevin. I love having you on, dude. I, I I'm always happy when you ask, and I am able to come on. And it's you're able to come on. Time. Yeah, I love it when Kevin says, "Yeah, I can make it." I fucking love it when Kevin says, "I can make it for an episode, Jake." And it. And oh yeah, you get borderline depressed when he says no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and what's great though is because it, it's, it's a big kick in the ass too to actually get to watch some stuff. I mean, it is. I mean, you 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 have every week. I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know. I don't know I how don't, you do it. I don't, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, Brian. I don't know how you do it because there. It's such a huge amount of stuff to watch. And you do it week in and week out. I, I, and it's amazing. It really, I mean, no bullshit. It is amazing that you can get through that amount of stuff and, and watch and then formulate an opinion on it because I'm like, my brain's mush half the time after a lot of this. It's a lot so, of, yeah, it's, it's yeah. amazing. It's a lot it of time. It's time. There's a lot of time management involved, especially like the weeks that fucking murder me are the weeks where I have to do a trailer breakdown mm-hmm. and then watch all the stuff because the trailer breakdowns are not simple. Like I know we talk about them in a span of 30 minutes maybe, but the actual process of doing a trailer breakdown is, you know, for a two minute trailer breakdown, it can, it can be a three to four, five hour process. I can imagine that you're, I mean, you're watching the trailer, then you're rewinding scenes, you're like going reversing back to certain things and then looking at, I mean, it, it's gotta oh, be, I mean, I'm, it's gotta be. I'm checking, so, I'm checking Reddit. I'm also, I'm also going back through old articles. There is a lot of research involved. So and I, with and I, that, I would say, I know you've talked about people complaining and shit and, and, and all of that in social media, but man, just, just know people do realize it's a lot of fucking work and it's amazing that you can get through this stuff and just fuck the haters. I mean, basically, honestly, I want to, there's a lot of people this week that put me in a, in a really good mood. Um, Jake, I'll, of course you always fucking, you're there for me, man. Um, uh, I want, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to thank everybody. Steve George, Marcus Primavera, Joe Stark, um, Joe Stark messaged me on Facebook Messenger. Dan Ramirez fucking texted me this week. Dan Ramirez from Heroes of Noise. Thank you, dude. Uh, Andrew Doyle, Paul Hart talked to me when we, before we recorded a Patreon episode. Um, Laura Watson, 
Stephanie Haynes, um, Ryan Scrikey, Larry Mayday, Rob Forrest. Uh, and then there's a multiple people on Twitter this week that were just giving me like words of encouragement. And, uh, I really want to thank everybody. I, I want to thank everybody that fucking reached out to me. Um, it's not really what I was kind of like, I wasn't like, no, you weren't fishing for it. I wasn't fishing. No, for no, it. no, no. Yeah. But man, it's it, social media is toxic place. It really it is. is. Sometimes you just hit your breaking point with shit. Like I never, I never go out to like, um, personally attack anybody and stuff like that. But I've been, I have been personally attacked on social media. I've been personally attacked in emails and stuff like that. And personally attacked on fucking iTunes reviews. Oh yes, a hundred percent. That's insane to Dude, me. Dude, there mean, are someone pe- goes out of their way to do that. No, there have been oh. there have been multiple people that update their iTunes review um just to say shitty things. So it's like they'll send an iTunes review, submit it, and then they'll resubmit something else. The same person resubmitting this like a different thing shitty to say about me. I had a, I had somebody recently um, say something like, um, your past relationships haven't worked out because I've listened to you on the podcast and you're so obsessed with dick that, they, that my past relationships didn't have, my past relationships haven't worked, basically implying that I'm, that I'm closeted and that my past relationships didn't work because I'm closeted and, like attacking my sexuality and also making homophobic statements to which I have to contact iTunes, iTunes to take the review down because it's, it's a homophobic remark that I don't want our listeners. We have listeners that are gay that listen to our show and I don't want them to have to read homophobic shit from a bigot that happens to listen to the show and hate me. Exactly, and, and so I have to reach iTunes and tell them, "Hey, could you take this iTunes down because we have a we have a bigoted remarks and homophobic remarks on our iTunes?" Uh, because I don't want our listeners to, you know, fucking read these iTunes reviews, and um, it's one of the reasons I I I, I kind of don't want to read iTunes reviews anymore. Um, I I can understand if you fucking hate me. I don't know. I yeah. I've also had some people on Twitter say, man, you've fucking made it because you, you know, you fucking made it when you can fucking get so many people that absolutely love you. But then you also have a group of people that hate you. So I, Jake, I, people's heads. Yeah, man, I know that fucking people are listening and like, and I'm doing, and like, I've had people saying you're doing things right. If not, everybody loves you. And I fucking a hundred percent agree with you. I just think it was just like a mix of like, my mental state that week, Jake, to where it was like, I just kind of like fucking reached my, I reached my point. My, like I reached that point that week where I was just like, I'm fucking done. I just want to, I just want to take a little break. I, I need to get away from this shit. But yeah, maybe even just the thought of knowing that you were already going to have to take a break because of the painting, like yeah. mixed with the fucking, it just kind of all added up to just making you feel shitty. Yeah, I can get that. Well, and it's like, I've also like told personal stories about like, you know, my past and stuff like that. And I've had people send me emails, um, basically like using that against me. And, um, 
It's 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 fucked up, man. But I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's amazing how terrible people can be. Yeah, it's. But here's the thing. I guess I do need to. I I do need to think of it that uh, Jake, we are reaching people, and whether it's good or bad, you're not going to get everybody to love you. And uh, maybe maybe I'm the big winner here if I'm rubbing people the wrong way. You know, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're living rent free in their head. I mean, yeah, they're, I they're thinking shit. about you, and they I mean, can't they're... stay away. They listen every fucking week. These fucking jagbags come back every fucking week, and they listen. Exactly. So, yeah, they, it they, upsets, they upsets you back. for a week or two, but they're probably still fucking thinking about it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Fuck them. Yeah. All right. Kevin, you're fucking awesome, guys. Uh, we will be back in two weeks. We're going to be closing shop for two weeks, but we'll be back in two weeks. October 9th, we will return with a brand new episode. Um, and uh, Kevin, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it, dude. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, guys. Yeah, stick- thanks, Kevin. Always great. Stick around for the end credits. We're going to be talking about the uh, Venom 2 post credit scene. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, turn it, taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Podcast that original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap! Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't embrace it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. 
Hi, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers After Dark. Ooh, yeah, we're going to get real kinky with it. I already yeah. sucked your dick, dude. It can get kinkier. <laughs> okay, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Yeah, let's talk about, uh, you know, we've been teasing this uh, uh, Venom 2 post credit scene. Jake, I... You know, I saw that somebody had posted originally about this Venom 2 post credit scene, and they posted, like, what it had to deal with. And then, come to find out, like, they were right about cer- certain element, but they were totally wrong about, like, what was actually said in the post credit scene until... And then, I actually listened to the post credit scene, and... How do we... How do we... How do we ease into this, man? What do we say? Like, do... Should I actually, should I just play the clip, like the audio clip? Yeah, play the audio clip and maybe just describe the post-credit sequence, I guess. Okay, yeah, I guess, okay, so like there's a post-credit sequence and then it's, I guess it's just um, Eddie and Venom apparently are like hanging out in, I don't know where they are, but they're like in a house and they're watching TV and let me see if I can play this. This is what they hear. This is what's playing on TV. Hopefully this will come through. Hold on. Here we go. Is this not playing? Oh, we can't. Hold on. Give me a second. Here we go. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it again. I'm gonna let everybody know what was kind of said here. You're listening to this. This is uh, we saw this scene. Uh, it's J. Jonah Jameson at the end of Far From Home, and it's the scene where they're revealing that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. This is after he kills Mysterio, or what everybody thinks that you know Peter Parker killed Mysterio, and you hear Venom say. Oh, he looks tasty. So let me play this, and you guys can you can listen to it again. Definitely should be able to hear it this time. Yeah, you hear he looks tasty, Eddie. So Jake, this is huge. Okay, this is a hundred percent. I believe it's 100% confirmed. It's 100% real. Like, even in, like, one of the uh, Venom 2 reactions, there was somebody that said, like, this is, a, this is a really good installment into the MCU, is what somebody's reaction was. About That's hilarious. Movie. Multiple people mentioned sticking around for the post-credit. Too. Yes, yes, yes. So, um and Tom Hardy recently, this is a picture that's been taken off the internet, but I, I have it saved on my phone. But Tom Hardy was spotted wearing a Spider-Man No Way Home production hat. I sent you guys the picture. I've posted it in multiple places as well. And then this is from Inverse.com. They say, 
According to numerous leaked plot breakdowns and fan reactions, the Venom Let There Be Carnage post-credit scene sees Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock watching a TV report about Tom Holland's Peter Parker Spider-Man accompanied by footage of the Marvel Cinematic Universe hero. The scene then apparently ends with Eddie's Venom symbiote dryly acknowledging the look of Holland's Spider-Man. In other words, the post credit scene seems to confirm that Hardy's Eddie Brock Venom exists in the same universe as Marvel's Holland-led Spider-Man films. Uh, this Venom Let There Be Carnage post credit scene, however, appears to be permanent, to, appears to permanently bridge Marvel and Sony's cinematic universes. At the very least, it confirms that Sony's Venom's films do exist in the MCU. Then the article says, or does it? It's important to note that in just a few short months, Spider-Man No Way Home has been revealed to feature all of Sony's past Spider-Man movie franchises crossing over with the tr- uh, current Tom Holland-led series. Therefore, there's always the chance that Eddie, that Hardy's Eddie Brock will end up in the same universe as Holland's Peter Parker as a result of the same multiversal shenanigans unfolding in No Way Home. That would make sense, uh, at least opening the door for No Way Home to retroactively place all of Sony's past, present, and future Spider-Man films in the MCU. Um, and then... Even Tom Hardy this week, uh, in that interview that I talked about earlier with Andy Serkis was saying that there's a Spider-Verse and there's a Venom-Verse. And what do you think, Jake, Kevin, is this, is this a bridge of, this has to be a bridge of the MC of, of Venom being in the MCU because he's listening to a fucking report from J. Jonah Jameson, the same report that we heard at the end of fucking Spider-Man No Way Home, which takes place in the MCU. And like, I've heard rumors of like, you know, maybe, maybe Sony's pulling Tom Holland away from the MCU and pulling him into like their Sony movies. But if that was the case, you would think that Tom Holland's Spider-Man would just be making a jump over into the Venom-verse. This is the MCU universe that Tom Hardy's character and Venom are 100% acknowledging in this post credit scene. I think this is a, like the article says, originally is a permanent bridge to the MCU. I completely agree with that. It's not like he's watching this on the fucking multiverse streaming service. He's watching it on his TV and shit. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's totally a bridge. It's not even going to take any kind of wonky Doctor Strange action. It's just straight up saying that these two universes are connected officially now. I think more proof of this is Adrian Toome showing up in the trailer for Morbius. We saw the Vulture show up in the trailer for the, Mor- for the Morbius movies. Kevin... It's another great point. Kevin, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, you're 100% correct. I think, I mean, this is Venom acknowledging something in the MCU. This isn't the reverse. I mean, this isn't Tom Holland, Spidey, showing up in a Venom movie. This is this right. is the opposite. So, I mean, this is 100% that bridge. I mean, I think it was inevitable that this bridge is, was going to happen. Yes. Um, they were just waiting to see how well that first Venom movie did and then kind of the, the build up to the second one. Um, 
but that was, I mean, from everything that I've read, that first Venom movie, I might not have liked it as much, but there was a shit ton of people that did, and it made a lot of money. And now we're bridging over, which makes complete sense. Um, so I, I love it. I absolutely love it that it's happening, and I can't wait to see what actually happens after this. Okay, so in the trailer, uh, the second trailer for the Venom movie, like, before they fight Carnage, like, there's a, there's a scene of Eddie Brock and Venom won't come out, and Eddie Brock is basically, like, begging Venom to come out and fight Carnage. I think, I, I, I sorry, I love it. I think it's funny. Like, Venom, Venom's refusing to come out, and, Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock, has to make Venom a promise that I will let you eat whoever you want to. You just have to come out (laughs) right now. And I think maybe that silly scene that we see there might tie into this, where they are watching. Eddie Brock and Venom are watching this scene, and... Maybe Venom is, maybe Venom and Eddie Brock are seeing Spider-Man as a killer and a villain here. And so maybe Eddie might go along with this saying, yeah, you know what? This might be somebody that we might need to eliminate, you know? Yeah, he's, he's, he, he made a deal. Hey, you can, you can eat whoever. You gotta come out now. You can eat whoever. And he sees them and, Hey, we're gonna take him out. You can go go at it. Let's yeah. go. Well, here's that's a- amazing. I never even made that connection between that joke and why Eddie Brock would have to do what the suit wanted. I that's think a- we've got to see that now. <laughs> I yeah. think that's perfect. I mean, that's a perfect um, scene and transition to that. But another thing that I wanted to bring up here is that I, you know, of. Here's the thing. We know that Eddie Brock is a, is an investigative journalist and kind of like works for like a, almost like a vice kind of like, you know, does kind of like vice journalism when we see him in that first movie. Um, I'm thinking that, you know, whatever interactions he has with Spider-Man, I think that eventually, what if, what if Eddie Brock's investigative journalism is what clears Peter? I, I love that idea. I, I, it has such great comic book ties. Um, it could create some like friction between the characters later on down the road too. I, I think that would be fucking awesome. I, I, I would love them to do something like that. Yeah, maybe an initial fight. Eddie Brock realizes that he really didn't do it. Venom realizes that he really didn't do like the Mysterio murder, and then Eddie Brock's investigative journalism clears Spider Man. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that's, I think that would be an, an interesting take. And I keep thinking to myself, like, maybe, maybe it's believable that, uh, Eddie Brock has had run-ins with J. Jonah Jameson in the past. Maybe they, maybe they're rivals. And so, you know. He does. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't want to, you know, there's probably a side of him that doesn't want to side with J. Jonah Jameson. And if there is an alternative, he would definitely want to go against J. Jonah Jameson. So I got to assume in classic comic book style that, yes, Venom and Spider-Man are going to fight each other. Yes. Yes. In that same movie, they're going to be teaming up. Right. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. Yeah. 
Do you think that it'll be an Andy Serkis directed movie since John Watts is leaving the franchise and John Watts is going on to do the Fantastic Four movie? Do you think that the next movie we see, whether it be Venom 3 or the next trilogy of Spider-Man movies, would be directed by Andy Serkis possibly? I think there's a high percentage possibility chance of that. I feel like Andy Serkis had a great time doing this. He really enjoyed himself. It seems like Tom Hardy enjoyed working with him as well. And he seems very much like on the pulse of what's going on with uh, bridging the Venomverse with the uh, MCU. So I very well could see this happening. Would, it's not set in stone, but I could see it. Would it happen in a Venom 3 or would it happen in a Spider-Man 4? I smell it happening in Venom 3. Yeah. Yeah. But the big news here from Venom 2 post-credits is that Venom is seemingly in the MCU. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. That's exciting. <laughs> I don't even know if you can say seemingly. I know. He is. He is, man. Venom is in the MCU. Got to be. I mean, this, this is... I mean, Venom... Let There Be Carnage has opened in England, right? I mean, this is where this is coming from, right? Yeah. Well, I yeah, I think the first reports were coming out of England. Because it opened, I think, this past week over there. Yeah. And um, I, I so, I mean, it's legit. I mean, it's real. And it, I, I think there's no bones about it now. I mean, he is. I mean, th- this is Venom in the MCU. That's exciting. That's, uh, Tom Hardy in the MCU. It's exciting to me. I love it. I'm a Tom Hardy fanboy. I love Tom Hardy. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I just, the the possibilities that it opens up. I mean, not even just with Spider-Man, like Venom's involved with a ton of stuff in the, in the MCU and the actual comic books. I mean, he's a Thunderbolt member. You know, we've talked about the agent Venom stuff, just getting symbiotes in the MCU. Like you could do a lot of really cool stuff. Well, and we know that the Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be a different team going forward. We've seen Venom, a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy, in the comic book. That shit of a movie that would be that that'd be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy hanging out with Star Lord. Live, live action. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of fun to be had here. I am super excited. I, I, you know, I'm super excited to see. uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage, but I'm also, I can't wait to actually see this. Even though I, I'm 100% convinced that yes, this is what's, this is what we're gonna see in the Venom 2 post credit scene. I can't wait to see it on the screen for myself. I'm jealous that other people have seen this. I'm so jealous. I feel like, Jake, now I know what everybody else felt like when I had seen Shang-Chi two weeks early. Yeah, you were a giant scumbag. <laughs> I know. I was such a fucking pompous fuck. I was a pompous jackbag for two weeks. <laughs> it's fun though. That's a fun place to be. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I cannot wait. I can't wait. Cannot wait to see Venom too. So yeah, That's this Friday, right? Uh, no, October. It's. it's- it's October 1st, but uh, if you watch it Thursday night, it'll be uh, September 30th. Okay. My birthday. I can't wait. I was glad oh, was happy birthday, to, dude. I was glad it was moved to uh, that day. Let there be candles. <laughs> let there be Let there be Kevin's. You know, hold on. Are you, do you have any German descent? Me? Yeah. No. 
I'm all English and Scottish. A little Irish. That area. Okay. Oh, there's a... I think Kevin is like a... It's like a negative thing in Germany. The name Kevin. <laughs> I hope it is. <laughs> I would have to... Look. That would be awesome. <laughs> It's yeah, a, none of our German listeners will be listening to this episode. <laughs> I have to look it up. I'll talk about. Maybe we'll talk about that next time we have you on, Kevin. I can't find it right now. Uh, I can't wait to hear. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking it up now. The name Kevin indicates to German teachers that such a student is prone to attention-seeking behavior. That sounds just like you. That's oh, exactly God. like me. Exactly. As well as lower scholastic performance and is also in of a lower, I don't even know what the fuck that word is, social economic status. 100%. I, I, that's me right there. <laughs> uh, in Germany, they even named the disease after it. They hate it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard a lot of funny shit over the last few days, and this is great. <laughs> yeah, dude. Awesome. You should go down. You should go down like a fucking uh, Kevin. It's called. Is it called Kevinism, Jake? <laughs> yeah, the disease. Yeah. Kevinism. No, I, I did not get the name of the disease. Uh, Kevinismus chantis. <laughs> Kevinismus Kevinitis. refers to the negative preconceptions German people have of Germans with certain trendy, exotic-sounding first names, right. such as Kevin. <laughs> That's exotic sounding? Yes! What the fuck? <laughs> Kevin. The only thing more exotic than Kevin is Bob. <laughs> Bill, Bob, Steve. Uh, uh, I've come down with a bad case of Kevinism. I, I can't stop telling dad jokes. Oh, that is totally <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, Venom. Let there be carnage. Uh, Venom being ushered into the MCU. I can't wait to see where this fucking goes. I hope Sony and Kevin Feige have really kind of like worked this out to where it's going to make sense for us. Um, knowing that, yeah, I, I hope yeah. once the cat's out of the bag and the movie's officially out, we get some quick answers to this too. I, I'd like yeah. them just to go ahead and be like, you know, they're kind of being like a little bit you know wishy-washy with it now because it's not officially out there I, yeah. i'd like to just be straight up told venom 3 is going to be the fucking showdown between these two characters let's get the announcement like we we found out that there's going to be four other marvel movies you know that that are getting dates and shit like that like we can imagine that one of them is going to be the blade movie hopefully one of them is going to be deadpool 3 and hopefully another one's going to be like whatever they're doing here with uh this spider-man venom shit We'll see. I don't know. Agreed. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Guys, we'll be back in two weeks. Jake, what are you going to be doing for your two weeks off? I don't have any major plans. Um, I'm going to get caught up with some TV shows. I'm definitely super excited to finish Squid Game first and foremost. And I don't know, probably just watching a lot of comfort TV. I'll be watching Chicago Party Ant. <laughs> mm, I will not be watching that. I will not either. Yeah, I'll be drinking hard liquor and watching scenes from a marriage. Kevin, what? <laughs> God. God. 
<laughs> oh man, I'll be reflecting on my failed marriage. Um, <laughs> uh, Kevin, what's what's the, what's the latest episode of your podcast that you put out? Uh, I haven't. I'm actually working on one right now, but um, I think the latest episode of Coxcast was where I talked about um, beginning of the Olympics. You had a sprinter test positive for marijuana. And I just kind of got into why I think it's dumb that marijuana is um, banned by the U.S. Olympic Committee and the World Anti-Doping Agency and stuff like that. So okay. kind of why it's not a performance-enhancing drug. Yeah, right? And, why it's in, and some of that stuff. So, yeah, I got into that. I'm working on one now regarding some – there was a case that, hey, um, good old Joe Stark sent me. Um uh, that was in the news um, regarding a family that was out west and hiking and died, and it looks like it's possibly toxic algae. So, <laughs> fun yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> that sounds like a blast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back in two weeks. Oh, my God, can't wait. Can't wait for fucking Venom, man. I cannot wait for fuck. I hope it's good. I hope Woody's great. I hope Woody's great in this movie, Jake. Yeah, yeah, the reviews all kind of point to it being a good performance from him, but I mean, I love Woody Harrelson, but he really hasn't done much for me lately. What have you done for me lately, Woody? Not much. Yeah. His solo was not great. Oh, I'm but trying the to... last thing, what, Zombieland? The first Zombieland, not the second? I, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this. I, I like Double Tap. I li- it was I liked it a, a bit, but I love that first one. I love the first one. I th- I still think that's the best opening opening credits to a movie in a long, long time. Uh, Kevin, if you ever plan on taking a trip to Germany, I want to join you. Hey, we'll make it happen. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Just like all good leftovers say in the doggy bags, thanks for listening. Thanks for your patronage. We'll see you in two weeks. See ya. Later, y'all.